And now, introducing the man who's starting to understand the phone call he received earlier this year, recruiting him to play tight end for Bishop Sycamore, an opportunity he declined due to scheduling conflicts, but was enticing because, quote, I never got the chance to play varsity ball, and they really seemed to care about my education, unquote. Even though his plan didn't work with Juju Smith-Schuster, that hasn't stopped him from setting up milk creeks at other public parks in hopes that different Pittsburgh Steelers are tempted to attempt the challenge. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Kyle Ottenheimer. We're here for a Tuesday edition of the program. It is brought to you by our friends at Great Eights Memorabilia, where you missed the first weekend of the Purple Takeover at the Maryland State Fair, but there's still another weekend to come, including Ronnie Stanley, who's going to be there. Get right now to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's the word great, the number eight, the letter S, the word Memorabilia.com, as you still have the opportunity to meet some of the current and future stars of Baltimore football. Get there right now, get your meet-and-greet passes, and enjoy the second weekend of the Purple Takeover at the Maryland State Fair in Timonium this weekend. Again, great8memorabilia.com in order for you to find out more. Very busy show on tap. Um, Coming up later on this hour, we'll make our trip down to Bowie. It's probably about going to be it for our trips to Bowie, as obviously football season officially gets underway next week. Uh, Johnny Reiser is going to join us, uh, Orioles outfield prospect. He's quite well who's having a, a nice little uh, stretch here. We'll chat with him. Um, we've been uh, looking to do this for a little while. Jose Torres, former Calvert Hall baseball player, um, had an outstanding first season with NC State. Of course, that ended up being a bit controversial by the time we got to the College World Series as they were in the midst of a remarkable run and unfortunately had it cut short due to um, a COVID situation. But he heard his name called also in the third round of the MLB draft and has decided to start his professional career with the Cincinnati Reds. So he will talk to him about all of that. Uh, we're going to get a little heavy today. It's just the reality of the circumstances. It's very important, and it's an unbelievable story. In the 11 a.m. hour, we're going to chat with Haley Carter. Haley played soccer at Navy uh, some years ago, went on to play professionally with the Houston Dash, And then got into coaching, um, and one of her stops as a coach was as an assistant for the Afghanistan women's soccer team, which I'll admit to you I did not even know existed, and it's quite remarkable that it did. Um, As you would imagine, today, of course, being the final day of United States military operations in Afghanistan, and we all know there has been extreme tragedy um, and and there has been debate on all sides about the decisions that have been made and all of that. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what was an unbelievable effort led by Haley Carter in partnership with others in order to evacuate the Afghanistan women's soccer players from the country because, as you could imagine, the people that are now in charge in Afghanistan did not approve of there being a women's soccer team and would not have responded well to the women's soccer players that would have been remaining in the country. And so it's an incredible story, an unbelievable effort that was made in order to get those women out of the country and to safety. We will talk to Haley Carter and a former Navy women's soccer player about that. It really is a remarkable story. 
And then also this morning, we're going to catch up with uh, Steve Sands, bring him back on sort of a final thought about the weekend that was out in uh, Owings Mills at Caves and what the future could hold for uh, golf in Baltimore after what was a phenomenal event um, with a lot of low scores and what that means. Don't know. We'll find out as we talk to uh, Steve Sands about that later on in the program. So busy day on tap. Good to have you on board. We are awaiting uh, more cuts from the Baltimore Ravens. The only one so far of perhaps interest, and it's it, it's not confirmed yet, but uh, former Ravens reporter Aaron Wilson, who's now uh, covering the Texans for Sports Talk 790, I believe it is, reported last night that Eric Tomlinson would be cut by the Ravens with Nick Boyle not slated to be ready for the start of the season. There was some thought that maybe Tomlinson would have a roster spot, as Jeff Zrebeck has pointed out already. Um, it is certainly possible that he could be someone that could be brought back after the Ravens make a couple of moves related to IR. Saw some um, speculation that maybe he could return to the Giants where he had played prior because Evan Ingram's dealing with an injury. Maybe, but who but knows? You know, yeah. It's all kind of, who yeah. knows? This is exactly right. We will see. But as of right now, the report from Aaron Wilson is that he won't be a Baltimore Raven. And, you know, that's not... Relatively inconsequential, we assume. Unless would, they were intent on having three tight ends to start the season. Well, I mean, somebody would say they should be. Someone would say, you know, it, there's also this, they have no idea what they have in Josh Oliver thing, where, I, not that I knew what they had in Eric Tomlinson right, either. I have no idea. Oliver to Tomlinson. I think, I think you're basing that off of a couple of people who said that they like Josh Oliver coming out of... We, we, there is we nothing saw Tomlinson last year. It was nothing spectacular. And right, I'm not but there's, saying a, there's that nothing that suggested that Josh Oliver is an NFL tight end. He was once a third-round pick. That's, that's I get it. There's nothing that suggests that Josh Oliver is an NFL tight end. That doesn't mean that he can't become one or that considering they don't have other options, that's what they're going to have to do. It doesn't mean any of those things. But there is nothing that suggests that either of these guys is really an NFL tight end until they prove otherwise. It looks like Josh Oliver is going to get that chance. Whether Eric Tomlinson does or not, we'll never have any idea. But he was at least someone who was on the bubble that's not going to be around. The other moves they made were guys that were nowhere close to being on the roster bubble whatsoever. So we will see how that ends up playing out for the Ravens. There is a 4 p.m. deadline for getting down to 53 players. With that in mind, as we keep talking about, that will be a bit complicated by the Ravens having some injury decisions to make because your IR designate the return guys. So, for example, they put J.K. Dobbins on IR last night because they know he's not returning. The IR designate the return guys have to be on the 4 p.m. roster. Then you'll be able to move them later this week to that IR designate the return. Is that a return in week six? Is that when they do that? I believe that's the earliest that you can return, if I remember correctly. Yeah. That's the earliest you can return. Um, so it could be board. I don't know. We have no expectations really or idea of what to expect with Bateman, but I I think there is a greater belief that if they don't know that you're going to be back in the first couple of weeks for roster reasons, they're going to put you on this list. That it's they're they're not going to hang a roster decision the the potential of losing someone on the idea that you might be available in week four instead of being available in week six. Like, that's just not the way the Ravens are going to go about making their decisions. And that would be insane, frankly, for them sure. to do that. Um, somebody would say, well, you don't you don't need to keep Nigel Warrior so bad that if it costs you two weeks of Rashad Bateman that you should do it. I don't know. You can 
You can hypothesize that way all you want, but if they don't know for sure, and how could you possibly know the difference between those two things right now? If they don't know for sure, the idea of potentially losing a player, well, wouldn't they still have to put? You, as you mentioned, they'd have to be on the 53-man roster before they're put on the IR designated to return. So in which case, for example, if it is Nigel right, but, Warrior, it would have to what, be cut what, loose at a certain point and given Jeff the Zrebeck chance. Said, and this is where what Jeff Zrebeck said yesterday is they wouldn't do it with Nigel Warrior. they keep Nigel Warrior and they put another veteran who so they, have wink, wink, Smith they have a wink-wink, they have a wink-wink, nod-nod agreement with. They, they say to Anthony Levine, look, you're not going to be on the 4 p.m. Um, roster, but we're going to sign you on Thursday after we move whoever it is, mm -hmm. to IR. And so they wouldn't, Nigel Warrior, if that's who it is, would show up on the roster this afternoon because he would have to go through waivers. It would be the vested veterans they would put, they would, they would not have on the roster today with that agreement, hey, look, man, sorry, if you're willing to play, with the, play, play ball with us, and this, there's some amount of risk there that somebody gets pissed off in the process and says, nah, the hell with you, I'm going to go sign with New England or whatever it is. It's unlikely mm -hmm given the circumstances, but it's not impossible as long as you say, hey, look, we're going to take care of you. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be on the week one roster. Your contract's going to be guaranteed. We're not playing games. What we're just going to do is give us a couple of days in order to get these these moves made, and then we're going to sign you right back. That's the expectation from Jeff Zrebeck, and it's the that's the what the Ravens do. It's the most logical thing for them to do as long as the players agree. Now, there's that you run that small risk that a player doesn't agree, and either you've got to make the decision of which of the younger players are going to have to give up on, or you Cut also run the risk. Justin Ellis, or something. correct, correct. Well, Justin Ellis, I think most people assume is going to be gone anyway. I don't think that's going to well, another veteran. Yeah. Right, correct. Here. But I don't, I don't. That's not one. I've not, I had not gotten the sense that the roster numbers look good for Justin Ellis right now, as far as finding a spot. But we will find out as the day goes on. Um, we will also continue to monitor clearly some of the other running backs that end up being cut by other teams. The people are talking about Devontae Freeman, who's being cut. Does nothing for me. I mean, say it does nothing for me. I mean, is it he does, better than? It, there's almost no doubt in my mind that he's a better option than what they currently have as far as at least having done it in the NFL, but does it have to be Devontae Freeman? No, Lord, no, it doesn't have to be Devontae Freeman. There's nothing about him that suggests that he has to be the answer right now. I think there is probably a better answer to be had somewhere. Again, I don't know that it's from a cut. My gut tells me that it's from going and acquiring someone else's player that they actually like, but they're dealing with a roster crunch. That's the route that I would go. And I would say this is going to cost you something, but that's the importance of the position in order to do this. I would not be trusting this to trash at this point. I would not, and I'm, when I say trash, it sounds really mean. I wouldn't be trusting it to someone else's cuts or to the guys that are on your roster that you like so much that they weren't going to be part of the equation as of a couple of days ago. I, that's not the way that I would be trusting to be this fair, situation. The equation as of a couple of days ago was also heavily influenced by the fact that they have two guys that they really like. So it's not as Correct. if it's not as if, for example, Tyson Williams is somebody they have little, no confidence in as much as it's just why would we give him touches over Gus There's Edwards no, and J.K. You're, Dobbins. You're presenting as if there is confidence. There's nothing that suggests there was confidence in Tyson Williams. They've not done anything with him that would say that they confidently believe that he can play in the NFL. I hear you. That's that. That doesn't mean he can't. As I keep saying, it doesn't mean they, th that they can't. Dealing with reality, all of you guys that like, there's a bunch of you that like Tyson Williams because I get it. You're watching preseason football and you want to believe that what you're watching matters. As I remind you overwhelmingly, it does not. 
but you want to believe that it does, and so you want to be that guy, and I like this guy, and he runs hard, and, the whole, and that's fine. I'm not knocking you. I'm not telling you that you know, it's impossible that that could end up being the case. What I'm telling you is you're wrong to assume it or to think that there's anything to make of what you've seen so far. That's what you're wrong about. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. What I know is that the Ravens had absolutely no intent for Tyson Williams to be part of the story. That doesn't mean he can't be. These two things we do because we're unwilling to have conversations and give context and nuance and all, I'm not telling you he can't be. It's not impossible. But there is no reason today to either think that he should be or that they want him to be. Other than, at the moment, he's what they've got on the roster. That's it. That's the only thing that you can base that on whatsoever. We can deal with all of these. I want to like someone because I want to like someone. I, I'm, I'm, all of those things are all well and good. What are you reacting to? Patriots release Cam Newton. Okay. I mean, that's not, if they were going with Mac Jones, then I wouldn't be surprised by them saying to him, that's the way it goes, and then saying, release me. Should the Ravens take a gander? Why? Back up, roll. I mean, I gotta be honest with you, man. There's nothing that I saw in Cam Newton a year ago that suggests that okay, I think that like he should Tyler be Tyler Huntley. I'm saying I hear like, you. I understand I, Tyler I, Huntley played great in the last preseason uh, game. Trust me, like, I'm not. It's the same conversation I'm having. I'm not trying to convince you on Tyler Huntley either. I just, I don't genuinely don't believe that Cam Newton can do it. But anymore. if we're talking about the, what we always talk about with the backup quarterbacks, who gives you the best chance to win a game if he's put into action? I would think that Cam Newton gives you a better chance. I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Tyler Huntley could be a great NFL quarterback. No, who knows? I, but this, but I, all that said, right? Cam Newton is still. For what the Ravens do. I'm not so sure that Cam Newton is any different today than Robert Griffin III was. Well, he's definitely stronger. I mean, he's a more he's physical bigger, runner, yes. right? Like, like, there's no a, doubt about that. I don't big, worry about him. I, I would trust him more running the ball inside the five-yard line than Robert Griffin III. I would trust him sure. more just having carries as a quarterback than Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin III is frail, and that's fine. It is what it is. And I'm sure he's, frankly, maybe a better thrower, too. But... All that you said, say that I don't know that. I trust me. I have. Been I don't very I don't. much on the forefront of the idea that Cam Newton's arm doesn't work. Anymore. I don't. I don't know that he can throw the football anymore. I don't, I don't know, know that the Ravens asked their quarterback to throw the football all that far downfield anyway. That's you can say that, but I don't know that he can even do that. I mean, I'm not. Te- I'm not saying hell no. I'm just saying I. There's nothing about Cam Newton that says to me that's the guy that I would go get. I mean, the guy that I saw looked like a guy that this was over for. That. It was I don't only disagree. A, it was only a runner at that point. That's why th- this can't possibly surprise me based on what we saw. And, you know, Cam Newton can demand to be I, – I don't know where he thinks he's going to end up or whatever I mean, the starting role is certainly be. probably out of the equation. Oh, there's nowhere where he could possibly be a starter. But I, this – boy, this looks ri- way more to me like a Robert like – it's just over. Like, it's just – it doesn't change what it was. It was an unbelievable phenomenon, but it just looked – over to me when the still, guy that we saw still interesting yeah i mean it's because he's famous and because of the implication of i mean it's not the ravens but the patriots certainly are a different team without him well i mean they're going all in on a rookie quarterback sure. and they're putting all their eggs in that basket and by the way when you draft a quarterback in the first round that's exactly what you should do i don't disagree every team in the nfl that drafts a first round quarterback it should be because they're the guy on on day one that they're carries, going to be your starter carries fantasy implication as well for who? Well, Damian Harris, as KZ mentioned, that if Cam Newton's not there, then you're looking at potentially a... Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll listen to some of that. You know, there's some of that that's there, but I'm not... It's not drastically changing where it is that I'm looking at Damian Harris at this point. Like, it's the Patriots running back situation. And the wide receivers it's, maybe look a little better. 
who? Jacoby Myers seems to be the guy like, there. Maybe. You know, I mean, I think still think that's going to be a lot of you, you can't you can't the tight ends as well. I mean, you who can't knows? take the the tight ends are probably the most valuable players in the roster because they're going to break down. Correct. There's two of them, and you know this. There's, I would largely stay away from the Patriots from a fanny per, fantasy perspective. From a fanny perspective. Uh, no. I don't know. I got to take a look. I got to take a better look at those guys and see. They might have something going on from a fanny perspective. I might have to spend a little more time <laughs> in fanny that Fanny football. Yeah, right? Uh, I would largely stay away from the Patriots from a fantasy perspective because that's what we've done forever for the most part outside of Brady and Gronk. And James White. James White, but he's perennially the guy that you don't play. He's the guy that sits on well, your roster. He was a pretty useful flex when Tom Brady was there. Let's put it that way. He was, in, except for the weeks that you played him, in which you constantly played him. I in, was always pretty comfy playing Yeah, I, I think you regularly played him, and that was the week where they didn't throw the ball to him at all, and you you screamed in bloody murder. Deion Lewis was that situation, too, where like you, you might get lucky and happen to have played him the one week where he had three touchdowns, and then the following week you were like, well, great, glad I played him again. It's just that's the nature of the Patriots. It's who they are. It's... Inherently, the what they do, the Patriots, one hundred percent. But look, we'll continue to watch. I'm not, I'm not getting worked up about anything until it gets all sort of flushed out. Um, it's as I said yesterday. It's totally possible that whoever it is they're eventually going to bring in isn't even going to be there until after week one. That would not be the way that I would go about doing this. I would be trading for someone that you intend to be a football player. That, and the more I thought about it yesterday, and again, not knowing who that guy is, we talked about Rashad Penny. It's a logical thought. There's some other names that could be out there. That would be the I would be trading for an NFL running back. I would be trading a a a commodity, not a second round pick, not something crazy. I would be trading something of value to a team that is flush at the running back position with NFL players, and I would be getting an NFL player to be my second running back, and not because I don't believe in Gus Edwards. Because, unfortunately, Gus Edwards could get hurt too. And because I'm not going to trust the Super Bowl hopes of a season to Tyson Williams and Justice Hill. That's not for a team that runs the ball, for a team that's constantly running. That's not what they did. If this was Patrick Mahomes, I might be willing to trust my Super Bowl hopes to lesser running backs. But I'm not going to do that with a team that's going to run the ball as much as the Ravens are going to run the ball. So that's what, I, the more I thought about it, I did, co- I coalesced around the idea that it wasn't, there are no right answers. I do think there is a correct answer. It's to find a qualified NFL running back, not trash, not a street free agent, not someone that teams just simply don't want. It's more difficult these days where teams deploy, you know, multi-pronged approaches at running back, and so you're unlikely to, like, there aren't many teams who are just giving 300 carries to a guy, right? Like, you know, so in that sense, you're going to be... But there are a lot of teams. I think that the Niners are the one that I would think is most. Yeah, the Niners are one of them. I think there are other teams. They deploy a four-running back approach a lot of the time, and so you're looking at a surplus. Um but it's hard to off the top of my head think of you know maybe you know Ty Johnson in New York. But again, I don't know. Like I don't know if they even want to. Like they seem to be ready to play three running backs I mean, they, this year. Yeah. Again, I think you're also this. This goes back to what a lot of people. There's a there was an old saying that uh, an NFL GM would give up just about everybody on their roster. You offer them a first round pick. There's okay, the well. flip. There's the flip side to it which is the running back position is so devalued mm-hmm. that if there's the opportunity for me to recoup a a mid-round draft pick for someone that, to me, is largely just the body that I have, it's something that I'm willing to do. 
that even the teams that like their that. running backs would say, yeah, but if the value is I can get a draft pick for one of them, I can like somebody else too if they're not a primary back on my team. Now, you know, who knows where they the Jets might think that Ty Johnson is the primary back on their team at this point. Um, they just might not feel that Michael Carter is that guy. We were talking about that with KZ last week. They might just think that he's the guy at the moment. But maybe they feel that way about somebody else. I don't know. I, again, I don't have that side of the answer. I, don't, I can't. I cannot give you the name, but I think what the Ravens need to do is try to acquire an actual NFL running back, not a flyer, not someone who, you know, maybe could be semi-helpful. It's they need to require a, a real NFL running back to me. We'll see how that plays out over the course of the next week, and we will continue to watch. Um, and, I don't know at what point we'll start seeing more transactions. I really have no idea, genuinely. I, I mean, I just don't know at what point they're going to do it. I mean, sprinkle it in throughout the day, perhaps, but you mean Ravens specifically? Yes, will that's they, what I mean. Yeah. What will the, when will the Ravens specifically make moves? Are they? Is it? Is it going to come later in part because they're still working on these sort of behind-the-scenes negotiations with veteran players? Like, would you, would you go to... Go to bat for us. Would you play ball with us a little bit? And does that take the better part of a day in order to rework what the next deal will look like when they re-sign them? I don't, I don't have that information, unfortunately, for you. I do think that's part of the equation of what's happening here, and we will see how it all ends up playing out. Today's program is also brought to you by Window Nation. It's the final day of August, so it's your last chance. You can still call right now. And say, I want to get a home an in-home estimate. And if you do, you're going to be entered to win your home project for free. But it's the last chance. Now, I happen to already know what the next great offer is going to be from Window Nation. It's really good, too. So if you miss out on it, no problem. We'll tell you more about that tomorrow. Um, you can also, of course, buy two windows and get two free and pay nothing for two full years. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Ask me if I care. Do you care? I most certainly do not. Well, I Orioles, care about Window Nation. No, I care about Window Nation. I'm talking about the Orioles losing to the Blue Jays last night. I most certainly do not care. No Castle Humbert again. He did. He. That's the thing that occurred. Anything else? It was nice. Okay. You got that going for you. Anything else? Uh, Vlad Humbert twice. He did. He's quite good. Yeah. He's he's, uh, he's got an outside chance of the Triple Crown. He's not leading any of the three it's categories tough to catch right now. Shohei, I feel like he's not that tough. He's, he's only thirty-eight. Right. He's only four behind. It's I not. Get it, but Shohei's not really. If, if, I mean, if you're assuming that Shohei Otani's just going to keep banging banging home runs every day, seems I hear like a you. relatively safe assumption. You say that. I, he hasn't stopped all year. I understand. You're acting like the difference between 42 and 38 is so significant. Like, Vlad Guerrero couldn't just hit three in one night. So could Shohei. I understand Shohei that. Shohei could hit five. But you're pretending like there's Seven. some extraordinary difference between the two that does well, not one exist. one of them pitches. That part is true, but it's unrelated. Who's going to end up with the most you home runs? You said I was pretending like there's some extraordinary between difference between the two. Between 42 and 38. Well, that's not what you said. There's no. You there said like, no, there's some the extraordinary difference between the two, and there is. Th between the two human beings, yeah. yes. Between the two home run totals, there is not. There's no. a difference of four home runs, a little more which specific, still a, right? a month to play in the season. We'll find out. Well, you want to bet? No, I don't. I have no interest in betting. I will pass. The point is there is an outside shot, and the hilarious part would be if he literally wins the Triple Crown and then somehow he's not the MVP of the American League. Well, like I it said, one of them pitches. Hilarious. I'm aware of that, Kyle. Is it just his like, to you. lose, right? Like, is there Joe any scenario Hayes? where yes. he doesn't just win? I mean, it would require basically. Did Yelich still win it the year he got hurt around this time? He got hurt. He, did. he got hurt 
right around Labor Day, didn't he? Did he still win? He got hurt before this, maybe, that I think about it. I'm trying to remember the scenario. Let's not put that negative energy out in the world here. Trust me, I don't want Shohei Otani to get hurt. You do, because we just made a bet on Vlad Guerrero winning the home run That did not occur. Literally did not occur. We'll check the tape. Nah, I mean, you're going to do that, and you're going to find yourself wasting a good bit of time in the process. He did win MVP, so I assume that was the year. But was that the year? I said I assume. You're just saying that. I'm looking. He won MVP in 2018 on 147 games. So that math would kind of line up, although he played played 130 in 19. I think it was probably the following year that he got hurt, and he finished second in MVP voting because he only played 130 games despite losing the league in OPS. Right. What happened to him? He was not as good anymore. Who, Christian Yelich? He's been a sub-800 OPS guy the past two seasons. They should probably just give him to us, see what happens. Yeah, right. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what year. What year? Christian Yelich injury. Christian Yelich. We got the internet. We should be able to do this. Christian Yelich injury was in. Look, I actually like Shohei Otani. I don't know about you. <laughs> you know, I root for good baseball players. Uh, do you? Yeah. Do you? <laughs> this is a weird bit that you're doing. <laughs> this is a very strange bit. I'm impressed by his abilities, unlike uh, you. Yes, it was in 2019, and he did not end up winning MVP uh, after he had the season cut just short. It's again, it was about a month left in the season when he got hurt. And he was. Yeah, well, I don't going root for to players win. to get hurt, Glenn. You know, you keep saying that. <laughs> believe it or not, I don't either. But the point being <laughs> that 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 might, I don't, even though again, Christian Yellows didn't pitch, so correct. I don't know. I don't know if even that would cost him. But it, I mean, the only guy that could overtake him would, it would be also kind of require the Blue Jays to like go on a crazy kind of yes. To win the AL East I don't know. They would have to win the AL East, but they would have to be in the playoffs and. It would probably require him either winning the Triple Crown or leading in at least two of the three categories. It would require something like that for him to end up being, like overtaking Otani for home runs yeah, and something along those lines. You keep saying that because there's a massive difference, obviously, yeah. between 42 and 38. Um, so, no, I don't think that's going to end up being the case. But uh, that Vlad Guerrero, Guerrero fella, he's okay. He's the a, old Guerrero. He's got a good fan. He does have a solid fanny. He could be on the fanny team. We should look into who should be on the fanny team. Strong fanny on that kid. That should be a bit that we do at some point. Is a a fanny team. We should absolutely fanny fanny football first round fanny football. We should put together a fanny football. Like Saquon's got to be on the list. Oh man, it's Saquon. Well, but it's is it is it? I know. Probably. I think you just don't realize the fanny is the same as I'm sure. You just get fixated on the thighs. I'm sure he has quite the fanny. Do you know who had a, a phenomenal fanny? Ozzie Newsom. Uh, Ozzie Newsom. He does scout fannies. He loves fannies, man. <laughs> I got to tell you. For tight ends specifically. Ozzie Newsom. Well, an offensive lineman. I remember Ozzie and I having a conversation. I didn't get a lot of like one-on-one time with Ozzie over the years. Like not a lot of people did. He doesn't do interviews. He doesn't. You know, he's 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 just not that guy. But one time, I don't even remember where we were. It was after they drafted Michael Orr. And we were somewhere that Ozzy and I just ended up sort of having some time together. And I said to him, and it was something like, um, you know, what what was it that drew you most to Orr? Was it what he's gone through? Was he said, it was his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> and I said, well, that's interesting. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's really interesting. And I can't, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Something I probably shouldn't admit out loud. After having that conversation with Ozzy Newsome, the next time I was in the locker room, I was like, I got to see. I just, I just got to know. What? And I was like, you know what? 
He ain't wrong. You shouldn't objectify Ravens. I know. Friend. I felt really bad about it. I really did feel bad about it. But like, how would you react in that <laughs> circumstance? You're telling me that. Got to get a look at this you, thing. Yeah, right. I got. I got to see what this is all about. <laughs> all right. Maybe we won't. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we don't do uh, all fanny team. Maybe well, we. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. You know. This is the same show that's going to talk about the Afghani evacuation in the second hour. The hell is going on in here? Oh, oh my God! These are all old articles, so I can't rely on. Them. Ah, yeah. yeah. Do they still have? Do they yeah. still have? I right. mean, we might have to be the one that does the listicle. We might have to be the. <laughs> we go. We send it. Like, can we do it like that? Top one hundred players. Can we send like a thing around the locker rooms? <laughs> like, please vote yeah, right. for who you think Top has fanny. the best. <laughs> Uh, the all fanny football team. <laughs> He'll work on that for another day. I don't know. The Orioles lost. I don't know if you heard. Uh, uh, Chris Ellis, whoever he is, was okay was for a little while. Four and was, a third. Yeah, right? It was fine. I, did, I, I got nothing else to say. Only about gave it. up one home run to Vlad. So you know they got that going for him. Did you see this about Robbie Ray last night? He's pretty good. I, he's better than I think anyone's ever given him credit for. Did, well, he's pitching you, Arizona for a lot of his did career. You, so did you know this? His last name is Ray. Robbie Ray reached the 1,000 career innings pitch mark last night. Okay. Robbie Ray has 1,241 career strikeouts okay. through 1,000 innings pitch. It's been like he's been a K it's guy a, his it's career. It's a pretty good K per nine yeah. inning number, by the way. Yeah. Do you know where that ranks him among pitchers all time for the most strikeouts in their first 1,000 innings pitch? First. Number one all time. Robbie Ray has the most strikeouts over a pitcher's first thousand innings of his career ever. That seems remarkable to me. And no one ever talks about Robbie Ray. He's pitching Arizona no in his career. Yes, so. there has been a yeah. lot of anonymity involved in Robbie Ray's career. No one discusses him whatsoever. Robbie Ray, how old is Robbie Ray? He's 29. 39? 29. 37? He's not 39 or 37. 41? He's 29 years old. There's there's no chance that he's pitching long enough to threaten like three thousand strikeouts. That's not going to happen. Unless he really starts turning it up a little. Or like becomes a knuckleballer at some point in order to stick around just long enough. But like my God, that does really seem remarkable that um, he is the, the most strikeouts all time for a pitcher's first thousand innings. That How seems kind of. Did they unreal. sign him for a multi-year deal? Um, I don't know. I gotta be honest with you. It wasn't one that I was paying a lot well, of they attention. Traded to. for Barrios, I know, and then they've got Yunjin Ryu as well. They've got Manoa. Who Why aren't they better? Good. Why aren't they better? Well, they acquired Barrios because they needed starting pitching. Uh, Robbie Ray signed a one-year deal. That's tough for them. One-year, eight million dollar deal with the Blue Jays this season. They have a couple one-year deals that are going to get pretty handsomely rewarded next offseason. You would think so. Seaman. You would think, yeah, I'll Marcus Seaman, no and doubt Ray, about yeah. it. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, the Orioles lost. I, don't, I got nothing else to say about it. That's what they do. Uh, Diamondbacks they battled, but I think they ultimately lost the Padres last mm-hmm. night. It was it was seven five in the ninth inning when I looked at it. Let me double check on that, or maybe it wasn't quite the ninth inning. Let me double check and make sure that they did indeed uh, lose. The Diamondbacks, indeed, fell short 7-5 to the Padres. Um, it was a good night for the Dodgers as they won and the Giants lost to the Brewers. <sighs> I don't like the Dodgers. I have to root against the Dodgers, so it was frustrating. And as the tennis was ending yet last night, the baseball game was still on. 
So I flipped over to watch the end of the baseball game, and the Braves had a couple runners on in the ninth inning with one out. I'm like, hell yeah, ruin things for the Dodgers. And then Adam Duvall, not only a couple runners on, one out, and a 3-0 count on Duvall, and he managed to turn it into a strikeout somehow. He somehow managed to turn all of that into a strikeout. And I don't even remember who was up next, but first pitch swung and flew out to center field, and that's how it ended. And that was the end of the dream for seeing the Dodgers, who I want to root against, lose last night. So they got good news on both fronts. Diamondbacks, however, losing does not help the Baltimore Orioles in any way, but they got a little distance. So that's what we like. We like the fact that they have built up a little padding after a fourth straight loss. There's no chance they could match, right? There's no chance that now that it's reached four, they could match their previous 20-game losing streak, correct? Like, there's no way that could occur. The Diamondbacks. No, the Orioles. Well, either team, frankly, is in this here. I'm not worried about that. I mean, I doubt it. I would say just on the, yeah, the, the sheer, probability of it, it all. It seems unlikely. It seems They're going to sneak unlikely. one in every now and again, you know? And what would it take for them to dip below a 30, a 30 winning percentage? They're at 30.8 right now. I'm trying to think about what that would take. Uh, losses. Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite. That's yeah. why That's why we hired yeah. you to be our math guy. It would that need to be was the reason at least why. two yeah. out of every ten. Okay. Would, yes. Because that would be below 30%. Yeah. I, Marginal I, decrease there. Nailed it. You 100% I'm a math guy, it. you know? Brilliant. I was, I was uh, to understand there would be no math. And I've got nothing to say about the uh, Bishop Sycamore situation. It's, I mean, it seems like a pretty shady and well, are, are despicable I, all this around. Is, and this is the unfortunate thing, as a lot of people pointed out yesterday. Um, way more of that that exists in high school sports mm-hmm. than anyone wants to acknowledge. Where you remember Deion Sanders' endeavor? <laughs> I, by the way, he's still doing something. Like the prime prep thing got shut down, but then they like started something else, or maybe just changed the name of it, or something along those lines. This is this exists in a lot of places. Um, maybe not to the degree. No, that the, the, ama- the amount of fraud or the amount of pure insanity. I, that um, that exists in a lot of places. Well, there's frankly. people that reclassifying exists. and all that. Yeah, that like exists. Kind of that that part. Junior by the way, college players. Yeah, maybe. that. I mean, you can make a stronger argument about that, but like the age part is maybe the least shocking part about all of this it's that p- literally having them play a football game on friday and then having another play another football game on sunday it's the former player that came out and said there was literally mm-hmm. never an attempt to even we were sleeping on the have floor a, of a, a hotel class. and yes. stealing from my grocery stores exactly yeah. right um i mean it's just that that stuff is this Despicable, yeah. is probably the shadiest and the lowest of all of it, but I don't even know that that's true. Are they going to get to play St. Francis this year, or is I'm, that going to be shut down? And that's the thing that, like, the idea that all of this came out and literally in the first 24 hours no one said, the hell with this, we ain't playing. Like, that's it, pure insanity. And you can say, well, we want to do our due diligence, and, you know, these are these are drastic allegations, but we want to get to the bottom of it and see what's true and what isn't true. No, I mean, pretty sure that we're beyond the point of no return. That you know, this is the awkwardness about the St. Francis situation. How like, are you getting these places. What do you mean? Well, who's paying for the travel of this? I guess the program has some funding, and they have jerseys. Well, and stuff. were they're just not the the word is they're not they paying their bills. Swindle the church. Yeah, right correct. They just yeah. don't pay their bills. They find someone that will front them, and then they don't pay their bills, and then they move on to the next. It's This is fraud. I mean, this is the way that these sort of scams have always worked is, you know, you could do this. You could pull this off, but at some point, you might end up going to jail. 
or it might be decided upon that it's not worth it, and you can scam people out of, out of everything, claim bankruptcy, and I declare bankruptcy. be no worse for the wear. I don't know if you want to do that right now. I would maybe wait a little bit longer for that. But it's you know, it's horrendous. There's no. It's one of the. It's an absolutely horrendous story, and unfortunately, is not as uncommon as you would want it to be, given how truly horrendous it is. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service. Yeah. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. We come back in. We'll make our trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Johnny Reiser joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, the chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy-two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Fair Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the fresh food fest, beer, wine, and spirit showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Join PressBox's fantasy football expert Ken Zales for the opening night of NFL season on Thursday, September 9th, 7 p.m. at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino. While you're there, say hi to KZ and let him give you advice on setting up your fantasy team, picking starters, and who you might trade for or pick up on waivers. Watch the opening NFL game, get free fantasy football tutoring from Ken Zales, and enjoy the new Sports and Social Club at Maryland Live. We'll see you on September 9th. Must be 21 or older to enter. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. All right, back in here on GCR from the Pressbox Studios of Pressbox. Nice still, save there. Still trying to <laughs> real work, smooth. Still trying to work out some of the kinks. So thinking about the Fanny team over there. I am still <laughs> thinking about that Fanny team and trying to. Pick, actually, unfortunately, I'm thinking about. It, it looks like you know, college sports season is getting back underway this week, but um, there's a storm coming this way. It appears uh, the remnants of uh, Ida are supposed to be tracking up the coast, and so some schedule changes are going to need to be made, and that impacts me directly based on uh, some things that I have that I've been working on and. Could end up being that I wasted a lot of time preparing for because they just might not be happening. But hey, man, that's the world of being a very successful play-by, internationally known mm-hmm. play-by-play voice for major sports. That's what you got to put up with. It's just the reality of the circumstances. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Ravens and the countdown to kickoff party coming Monday, May third. Uh, May third. Where am I? Where am I today? I don't know. What the hell is going on? Hi. September. Glenn Clark here. I haven't slept much, and I was preparing a game that's probably not going to be be played, and I'm so sorry to everybody involved. I want to apologize. A list of people I want to apologize to. All of the members of the All Fanny team, you deserve better. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be associated with someone, you want to be associated. Who's the, we have to figure with out who the captain is, at least. Oh, who is the captain of the All Fanny team? I feel like it's, it's going to be, be a, a running back, right? You say that. I think offensive linemen are going to do quite it's well hard in the to All gauge Fanny team. The the relative, you know, like when you they're huge in general. Yes, but we're only look. We're not worried about the rest of them. We're only looking at this part. That's it. That's all, right, all we're right. doing for I the all Fanny team. Tight end is my sleeper pick here. I I think that absolutely tight ends could be no a pun intended. You know, you do you know a male in your life who's just like that guy's got a great ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know one too. Yeah. Just a tremendous ass, <laughs> and I'm like, it must be nice. Yeah. I have no ass. <laughs> Doesn't exist. I feel like this is exactly the conversation <laughs> that they expected would proceed. The, the Baltimore Ravens the reads, wanted us yes. to have before we did the countdown to kickoff. Re- Party with the Flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party, presented by Miller Lite, Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Live performance by all-time low, plus watch the Ravens-Raiders game on the Ravens Vision boards. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets. They are only $10 as long as you get them before the day of the event. So make sure you get yours right now for the Baltimore Ravens countdown to kickoff party. And also, as we've uh, mentioned a couple times, parking is free. Uh, We don't have a lot of time to be flexible here, unfortunately. So it's all all good if it doesn't happen. We just don't have a lot of flexibility. It has to happen in the next couple of minutes. I would say it's got to happen in the next uh, two minutes, frankly. Eh, Three or four, I guess we could push it to. But uh, just got a lot of stuff going on today. That's the reality of the circumstances. From uh, Tony. Tony says, 
Uh, Glenn, as far as talking about the running backs are concerned, I feel as though you're being a little hard on the guys. You said hard on. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't help myself. We, we're not doing a good show today. Uh, you're being a little hard on the guys the Ravens have. While I understand the point that you're trying to make, I also think that these are players that could end up proving to be the next Gus Edwards. You could, Tony, you're not listening. With all due respect, you're not listening. And this is what people are guilty of all the time, is hearing something that I'm not saying. I've said a million times, could they end up being that? Yeah. I think a lot of people, like Justice Hill originally, have been confused as to why Justice Hill hasn't been more involved in the offense. And I think that's a very real thing that has existed over the last couple of years, is in the small doses that we've seen him, we've thought to ourselves, look, I might have something to offer. And we've been confused by why there hasn't been more of an opportunity for there to be something to offer. My point has nothing to do with the... There's no offense to these guys at all. I want to try to win a Super Bowl this year. I get it, it ain't going to be easy, but I want to try to do that. And I'm now down to one qualified NFL running back on my roster. And unfortunately, in this league, now with 17 games, there's a good chance that guy can get hurt too. If I could get a guarantee that Gus Edwards was going to stay healthy for the entirety of this season, if the guarantee fairy that we always see pop up on Wednesdays around here, if that guy could show up today and say, I can guarantee you Gus Edwards will stay healthy for 17 games, then I probably wouldn't feel as strongly about this. I would probably be more inclined to let these guys have a crack at it for a few weeks and see. See if they can be helpful. See if they can be NFL players. And if they can't, if what we learn at that point is that they're not capable of it, then I'll deal with it, you know, a month into the season. I'll find someone before the trade deadline or I'll, you know, see what's... I'll go about dealing with it then. But I don't know that Gus Edwards can stay healthy for 17 games or 20 games if you're going to try to get to a Super Bowl. I don't know that. I can't get that guarantee. I can't get the guarantee that he's going to be there for week two of the NFL season. And so I would be aggressive because of it in trying to win a Super Bowl. E, e, aggressive, aggressive yes, 100%. I would be e aggressive in what I look to do in the context of wanting to win a Super Bowl. That's how I would go about handling it myself. Will the Ravens do that? Don't know. Well, it's certainly not going to tell us because if they're trying to make a trade, they don't want it to be out there. We're trying to make a trade because what does that do? It hurts your leverage. If a team knows you're desperate to trade for a running back and they think they've got the guy, then it's going to hurt your leverage. So they're certainly not going to come out and say, we feel the need that we have to trade for a running back. I'm saying, Glenn Clark, what I would do, no offense to these guys. They could have no, we might not, if I didn't know what their names were, I would feel the same way. This isn't about Tyson Williams. It's not about Justice Hill. And again, there is at least something to say that Justice Hill might be an NFL running back because there have been times where he's played where he's looked good. He just hasn't gotten more of an opportunity. And Tyson Williams could prove to be an NFL running back. Once upon a time, the Ravens cut Raheem Mostert. Sure, who proved to be an NFL running back, 100%. There are plenty of guys who can go on to prove to be NFL running backs. Comparing him to Gus Edwards, I, I'm a little... Gus Edwards, you knew immediately, was an NFL running back. There he was, was no, undrafted and was a no-name until he was a name. Except you know? for the fact that it was immediate. Like, they didn't... There wasn't any time on the practice squad. There was no risk of losing Gus Edwards. There was no, 
will live if we lose Gus Edwards. The Ravens. Well, he didn't, was on the practice squad to start of the year, and then he got called up midway through it, the season. It wasn't even midway through the season. Gus Edwards was. He started getting the bulk of the carries around when Lamar came in in week like nine. That was or when 10. he started getting the bulk of the carries. Yeah. Yes, but he was on the roster even quicker than that. But he, he was, was still a practice squad player to start the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm gonna double check on that. Uh, under the practice squad, it was October 13th, so it was week five. Week five was when he was off the practice squad. They didn't wait long. I hear you. They didn't wait long at all to realize this guy is the truth. So I'm not, again, that Who's doesn't. Who was that year? They had injuries, didn't they? Uh, in 18, well, it would have been Ingram. Right? No, Ingram was 19. And, no. So who would have been 18? Forsett. Forsett yeah, still? He was just yeah. struggling. Yeah, I mean, that was, that, was, that was a tough time. It was unquestionably a tough time. But it was, it was very quick that they realized what they had in Gus Edwards, and because of that, Gus Edwards became that guy. I don't know, again, as I say a billion times, this is not a knock on Tyson Williams. It's not an anything on him. It's saying that as of right now, there's nothing that says he's an NFL running back. And that's not how I would go about putting together my roster to win a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean he can't be. Doesn't mean there's no world in which he offers something of value. Just means I would be more aggressive in having a better roster, a more complete roster, particularly considering the importance of the position to this football team, which is more significant than it is for a lot of places. And you can say, and a lot of people do, well, I think a lot of guys should be able to have success given the scheme. I, I understand the thought. I get that, but I'm not assuming it. I'm not working under the belief that you can just take anyone, put them behind this, and make it work. We saw Mark Ingram a year ago. It didn't work. Despite the fact that it worked significantly just a year before that. Pushing for Friday. We'll see. All right. I, I mean, at this point, it's probably... Yeah, it just yes. might not happen. Yeah. just might not happen, and we will live. Bummer that we move some things around, but again, we will live. We did Fanny Radio instead today. We got so. more to offer in that regard. I think Mahomes might be the quarterback. I, I don't know that I've ever spent a lot of time You know that. I have. I know you have. Yeah. I understand that. I, I certainly understand that. But I you have. haven't really spent a lot of time with others. So I hear you. I think that that might just be your bias showing a little bit in putting together your fan well, team. I guess we could scout the rest of the league. <laughs> I guess that's what we're going to do. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Re- Sorry, Johnny Reiser will not be joining us this morning. It's just, uh, it's just sort of what it is. Um, I, I, all of you, the millions of you that tuned in, I'm so sorry. We will, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to reschedule, or, or we'll see what happens moving. Forward. I know what happened, but it's fine. Okay. You want to know? I don't really. Okay. I don't really. Yeah. Was it, does it matter? It wasn't my fault. What well, did I did I blame you? No. 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 But I blame I can you say for definitively. I I blame you for a lot of things, like. The whole Istanbul Constantinople thing. Well, I've never I, understood it was a why. Mistake. It was a, what it were was you a, thinking there? I made like, one. Constantinople I was one amazing. Time. It was an amazing place. Why would you have gotten rid of it? I'm sorry, all right? I blame you for plenty of things. This is not one of the things that I blame you for. I assure you of that. Maybe we'll be able to call Torres a bit early and see if that works. Uh, we can try doing 57-ish, that. 57 like. you know? If you'd like to do that, we can try doing that. I'll it's try in my to... power. Is it? Yeah. Is it in your power? Well, yes. I have the phone. <laughs> Uh, from, uh, from Craig, Craig says, uh, Glenn, do you think Tyler Huntley is a sure thing at number two with Trace McSorley coming back to practice? Is there any chance that they liked him more? I mean, there's no reason for me to think that Trace McSorley, what, what has he done 
that would say this is why he would be ahead of Tyler Huntley. No, I can't imagine. I mean, granted, I mean, like, right, look like, again. Huntley has shown that his arm is not, you know, right. it doesn't not work, right. right? Like, it's not like he's incapable of making throws at this point with as far as him being pretty decidedly a better runner than McSorley and what the Ravens do on offense. It just seems kind yeah, of I, like it I, goes I, I, I get saying. that I'm the guy that says ignore everything you say in, see in the preseason, but the reality is I never saw anything from Trace McSorley otherwise. Like, I... I think right now, given the roster crunch, I'm hard-pressed to imagine there's a third. You can make an argument alone just based on running that that's all the Ravens would care about. And in that case, well, Huntley I, is probably I, a better I option think, than McSorley in that I way. I think that they probably like their chances they could sneak Trace McSorley back onto the practice squad at this point. I would imagine. I think that they like their chances that there's not going to be a lot of demand for someone who didn't really play in the preseason. And for as much as there is a, a greater risk here with Lamar Jackson not being vaccinated— and that was why, you know, there was a thought that maybe they would end up carrying three quarterbacks. I think that this actually kind of ends up working out for them, that he didn't really get to show anything. And so there's not likely to be a demand while other teams are going undergoing their own roster crunches. There's not likely to be a demand for Trace McSorley to be signed that you couldn't sneak him back onto the practice squad. Thank now, you. as the year goes on and injuries mount, you know, that, that risk could change, right? Because at some point... There was a team that maybe like Trace McSorley once upon a time as they scouted him, has three quarterbacks get hurt, and they might just sign him at that point. But Again, I'm not really – if they had, they end up losing Trace McSorley, he seems like the, a great dude only, and all that. No, and it wouldn't be – the only concern you would have is this really unique circumstance that we're talking about where Lamar Jackson were to get COVID again and Tyler Huntley was a close contact. Some, there's some bizarre scenario I hear you. in which – your options are signing a street free agent, having a wide practice squad wide receiver play quarterback, or Trace McSorley. Like, yeah, I'd rather it be Trace McSorley in those circumstances. But they're so slim and so remote that it's not something I would be making a roster decision based off of. All right, so why don't we grab another break here, and then we'll try to chat with Jose Torres coming up after that. And, you know, hopefully it won't turn into one of those days. It's just one of those days, is Limp Bizkit We got other stuff to talk about. We do. The we all family team. The all-fanny team is a big one today. Uh, today's show also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or C3America.com for your free analysis. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Join PressBox's fantasy football expert Ken Zalas for the opening night of NFL season on Thursday, September 9th, 7 p.m. at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino. While you're there, say hi to KZ and let him give you advice on setting up your fantasy team, picking starters, and who you might trade for or pick up on waivers. Watch the opening NFL game, get free fantasy football tutoring from Ken Zalas, and enjoy the new Sports and Social Club at Maryland Live. We'll see you on September 9th. Must be 21 or older to enter. As one of only seven equestrian events of its kind, the inaugural Maryland Five Star at Bear Hill will give you unparalleled access to Olympic athletes in action. Come see the world's best horses and riders compete at the new Bear Hill Special Event Zone this October 14th through 17th in Elkton, Maryland. Don't miss the exhilarating cross-country competition, the elegance of dressage, and the precision of show jumping. There's something for the whole family, including great shopping, the Fresh Food Fest, beer, wine, and spirits, 
Spirit Showcase, and so much more. Come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, October 14th through 17th. Buy your tickets now at MarylandFiveStar.us with the number five. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's Window Nation's 15th year anniversary. During August, all customers that get an in-home estimate will be entered to win your home project for free. That's correct, the chance to win free, top-of-the-line, energy-efficient Window Nation windows installed by experts with over 15 years' experience that will keep your home cool during the summer months and warm during the colder months. If you don't win, get half of your windows free with their buy two windows and get two free deal. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Party with the flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. The latest issue of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey, who may well be the Ravens' next true defensive superstar in the lineage of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs. Also inside, we introduce you to Maryland Navy, Towson, and Morgan State football players and everything you need to know for football betting as it launches in Maryland. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. You are out. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. Winding down hour number one of today's show, there is still time for you to register to win a pre-draft consultation and personalized weekly fantasy football advice from our guy, Ken Zalis. Go right now to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. Sign up to win. you got to get in before Thursday because there needs to be time before your draft in order to do this, and most of you are drafting this weekend. So get in right now, PressBoxOnline.com slash contest. You'll get that pre-draft consultation and personalized weekly advice from Ken Zalis all throughout the course of the season. I've been looking forward to the opportunity to catch up with our next guest. He is a former Calvert Hall Cardinal. 
He, of course, uh, was part of that sort of magical run with NC State this year, and now he was selected very early in the MLB draft and has begun his professional career in the Cincinnati Reds organization. It's a pleasure to welcome Jose Torres to GCR. Jose, it's Glenn and Kyle back in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Congratulations on everything, and thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, hey, hey, Jose, could you, for those of you uh, you know that don't know this, your story and your family story, how you ended up in Baltimore, how you ended up at Calvert Hall, uh, given your background, I, I, you know, what, what is the story? When did you arrive here, and, and why Calvert Hall? Yeah, I mean, I was originally born in the Dominican Republic, um, grew up in Miami part of my life, and then um, moved, 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 moved to Baltimore with my dad. Um, and then I think I was in middle school, my brother was in high school, and then we had a friend, uh, Manny Rodriguez, that went to Cabo Hall. So he put us in contact with coach, um, with, with the coaches over at Cabo Hall, and um, um, somehow we made it work. My brother was there, so it was an easy transition for me to go from middle school to high school to go to Cabo Hall. So that's, that's cool. That's how I ended up going there. What 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 brought your father to Baltimore? What was it in particular? Was it a job? Um yeah, a job. Um, he, he he was working here already, and his family was here. So we all moved in together. Okay, all right. So there were, you were you you came here already having family here. So it wasn't quite as like shocking when you arrived here as it might have been for some people. I can understand that. The, the experience um, in those years, did, did you find yourself like, um, did Baltimore become part of your DNA coming here at such a young age? Obviously, you know, you're proud of your Dominican heritage. Did Baltimore become part of your DNA as well, spending such formative years here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I, I, I kind of grew up there when I was, you know, I was, I think I was four years old until I'm 21 now, so... Over that time frame, like, I became comfortable in Baltimore. I have a lot of friends, um, met a lot of cool people, so it has become part of me. You, you know, the, the relationships that you established at Calvert Hall, was there a moment for you where, like, you realized, I'm pretty good at this. Like, there's going to be an opportunity for me to do this at levels beyond just being a high school. Was there any particular moment that stood out for you where it struck you, like, this is my future, I'm a baseball player? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say since a young age, I was always, like, really good since a young age, like I remember. So it was just people used to tell me it's a matter of if I can continue to work, continue to get better, like I could, you know, take this game to, you know, whatever high I, I could, like just the sky's the ceiling. Uh, most people always told me that. So I always took that to heart and I always worked my ass off and I always needed had a chance to make it, you know, past, past college ball. Was there was there anyone that like you played against or that like you know you got to meet or something along those lines? Was there a former baseball player or a, or a current guy that you measured yourself against at all and said like you know if if I could get a hit off this guy then I know that I can be a a, a high level player? Uh, not really. I kind of approach every game like that, you know, the same, no matter who's on the mound. Um, I don't think I'll, I'll, I never. I don't think I've ever had that experience. Like, okay. For example, like this weekend, past weekend, we played against the Mets, and like they threw like four rehab guys that are ready in the big leagues, and and I was like, no, it's it's just another game, it's just another at bat. You no, know, I just got to compete my ass off and, and win that at bat. So that's how I always take that. Okay, but that. okay, but did you get? Was there were were any of them guys that you got a hit off? Did you get a hit off a major league pitcher this weekend? Oh yeah, I did. Who was it? 
<laughs> you, so you're not kidding. It really doesn't mean all that much to you. It really doesn't. That's wild, man. Jose Torres is with us. He's in the red system right now, former Calvert Hall Cardinal. Um, Jose, the relationship, you know, Coach Eckel just went over 500 wins for his career. He's obviously a legend. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that relationship and, and what it did for you during that time in your life um, to be around someone who's been around for so long and has accomplished so much? Yeah, I mean, I, I could sit here and talk all day about Coach Echo. You know, he's a, he's a stand-up guy. So, um, playing for him was that well, it helped me a lot. So, helped me grow, grow from a young man to a man before I even made it to college. So, I'm very fortunate to have a coach like that. But, you know, his resume speaks for itself. What, what he's done for Calvary baseball, for Calvary community, you know, speaks for itself. So, you know, it, it, it was awesome, a good experience to play for him, and I learned a lot. So. Tell me about you as the player, Jose. You're, you know, what is it that you you feel most strongly about about your game? Do you believe that you're going to be a shortstop all the way to the major league level? And how much how much could your hit tool progress even as you move along as a professional? Well, it can progress a lot. So we play a lot of games here in the minor leagues, and we get a lot of that. So the more bats you get, the more confidence you get at the play, and the better you become as a hitter. So. You know, I I wouldn't say I'm a bad hitter, but I I, I just smashed the ball a little bit, and I, and I proved that in college, and I'm proving it out down here in, in the A ball that I am right now. So, you no, know, it's just a matter of fact. If I continue to work, you know, and make my skills better, and, and it's, just, it's going to take me a long way, hopefully. And presumably, um, it's going to be something that you're going to be able to keep working on as you move throughout the system. Jose Torres is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Jose, of course, you were, um, as I mentioned, you're part of this this sort of crazy run with NC State, and I know that there's so much emotion that probably goes into talking about this. Um, let's start with the good. Can you describe like what happened that you guys were able to make the run that you were able to make just to get to Omaha, get that massive win, be in the position that you were in before everything kind of came crashing down? Yeah. Um... Also, I'm, I'm, if you don't mind, I really don't want to go into the details of what happened, and I don't want to talk about it because I've already talked about it a thousand times. But um, it, it was a magical season, and it was even more magical before the season even started. You know, that COVID year, like we, we, we felt like we had a really good team to you know, go to Omaha and win it all. And then see, see the season, you know, get banged, just made us, you know, become even closer as teammates. You know, a couple guys left, a couple key, key guys left that year, but... You know, the whole team stayed together, and a lot of guys came back. And, you know, we, we, we talked about it since, since the first day of fall ball. You know, every time we went to go live, we always talk about, you know, this, you know, this, you know, this is what's going to make us go to Omaha and we continue to work and get better and, you know, trust our coaches and trust ourselves and pray for each other. You know, we're, we're going to make it really far in it. And just see that happen throughout the year, I'll go through ups and downs throughout the year, and then, Finally, make it, you know, make it to the regional, and then get out of that regional, make it to the super regional, and then finally make it to Omaha. What's the magical season for us? I'm, I'm gonna guess that it goes without saying that you believe that if you've been able to play, you guys would have won the national championship. A hundred percent. Yeah, I figured that was probably the case. <laughs> I didn't think it. The, you know, it, and and as you mentioned, obviously the bitterness, the, the seeing, like that reception for you guys when you got back from Omaha and. 
the way the kind of country rallied around you? I know it's not the same as winning the national championship. Like, I understand that. And I'm not trying to compare the two. But does in any way, like, it almost give you, like, I, I, something that, that kind of holds up like winning a national championship? Yeah, um, it does 100%. Um, I remember that, that night when, when, when Coach Elliott told, told us that our season was over, it was, it was a very sad season. And then going to sleep that night was very hard for, like, I think all of us. And, and then getting on a plane the next day and going, going to Raleigh and then getting there, getting to the stadium, seeing, like, a, a lot of fans, a lot of people there waiting for us. And it was, it was, it was, a, it was an experience that it's, it's hard to explain. It's, you just got to kind of live it especially pressing them in that way and have the support of the, the Wolf Pack Nation to be there for us was, was magical for us. So here's the important question. When they make the movie about the NC State baseball team, who do you want to have play Jose Torres in it? Uh, I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. Oh, man. I, you know, it's, it's funny because whenever I ask this question to somebody else, I always say, I don't look anything like Michael B. Jordan, but I'm just going to choose Michael B. Jordan myself. Like, that would just be my call. Like, that's who I would want to have play him. You got to think about that because at some point the story is going to have to be told, Jose. Like, at right, some right. point the story is going to have to be told. Hey, uh, who is who is your baseball hero uh, growing up, Jose? Who is the guy that, like, you most looked at and said, I want to be like that guy? Uh, that's that, that, that's a hard question. When, when people ask me that, you know, I had favorite players. I had a lot of people, but you no, know, part of me want to say no. Like most of me want to say it was my brother. Just okay with him and playing playing against him, playing with him. Yeah, so I always looked up to him. So I never tell him that. So hopefully, you don't you don't see this see this interview, but. <laughs> yeah, it's always been my brother. <laughs> so what you're saying is you don't want him to know how much you, you know, like you don't want him to get a big head because yeah. you revere him yeah. so much. I understand that. Was there was there a, you know, when you say you had your favorite baseball players, who who were they? Who were the guys that you just loved watching um, when you were growing up? Yeah, Jose Reyes. Um, okay. So every time I saw him play, he was always dynamic. Um, and then, I always loved that era of watching, you know, David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez and Pedro Martinez. I was that was a good era for me to watch. I was a big Boston fan. Yeah, we don't care so, for that. Yeah, we don't we don't like that around here. For obvious I know, reasons. I know. We don't like that. I know. <laughs> so I gotta ask, when you inevitably are become an MLB All Star and get asked to play in the World Baseball Classic, are mm. you gonna play for USA or the Dominican Republic? <laughs> Uh, Dominican Republic. Ah, ah, what can we do to convince you otherwise? What can uh, we do? No, I get that's a big deal, obviously. Like that yeah. opportunity to represent. I can understand that yeah, entirely. That's a big deal. I mean, I was born in Dominican Republic. Um, my family are a huge fan of the World Classic, and every time we watch it, we root for Dominican Republic. And then just watching that atmosphere, I want to be part of that. So. I don't think anything can convince me. <laughs> I under, and I and I totally understand. Is it is it safe to assume that's a dream of yours to to be able to do that yeah. at some point? Hundred percent, big dream of mine. Hopefully, I could achieve it one day. So working towards it. No, I, it would be unbelievable. What an experience that would be. And, yeah, you, what you talk about that atmosphere. It's like a friggin' rock concert, man. Like, it is just wild when you see that. You're like, it, it's it, it's like, you know, like high-level soccer, right? Like, where it's right. just, it is just an insane atmosphere when you go to those games. Do you ever play a game? Now, you're with the Tortugas right now. Do you ever play a game and think to yourself, like, why can't we have that here? Like, why can't we have guys come bang on drums in the States and, like, 
be into it that same way, man. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, that would be fun, but I don't think that would happen anytime soon. Probably not. You're probably <laughs> right about that, unfortunately. Hey, Jose, it's great to get to know you, man. Let's um, let's get plugs in. Where can uh, Baltimore baseball fans and Calvert Hall alums, where can they be following you social media-wise, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that? Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, I think it's, it's, it's the same ad on Twitter, so it's J28T underscore. Okay. It's the same, it's the same handle for both. So give him a follow there, uh, J28T underscore. I saw a picture on your Instagram of um, you holding a small child. That is that. Who is that that you were holding in that picture? That was, that was, that was my cousin. My baby okay, cousin. all right. All right, I didn't want yeah, to. No. Glad I asked because I didn't. A, right. <laughs> didn't I'm not a father. Anytime uh, soon, I'm uh, not a father. Right. <laughs> Hey, Jose, uh, unbelievable congratulations on everything, man. Um, and, and, I, and I know, as we talked about, the bittersweet nature of not being able to finish off the national title, but an incredible run, awesome opportunity for you to hear your name called so early in the draft. And we, we can't wait to see what's ahead for you. There'll be a lot of people in this way that will be rooting for you every step along the way. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No, thank you, guys. Have a good one. Jose Torres, uh, former Calvert Hall Cardinal and now in the red system, and a heck of a baseball player, and obviously someone who's got a lot of opportunity in front of him uh, as he moves along with the Reds. You want to get a Tortugas hat. They're pretty cool. I mean, I assumed that if you had a name with the Tortugas, you better have some cool gear. I, and I agree with you. We talked about this before the show. I agree with you that it's as minor league names go, it's excellent. It's excellent. Let me see the hat again. I like the, uh, the baby blue. I also this don't is the mind Dayton the, uh, Tortugas. The black one's pretty clean as Ooh, well. I do like that one. I, I mean, it's pretty like cool. I, it's not as good as the uh, the Bowie Bay Sox did their Cangrejos, the crabs Yes, ones. I did love that one. Yeah. Those were awesome. You're going to try to angle? You're going to try to ask whoever coordinated the I interview? I did try. Already? Last year. Oh, for the Tortugas. No, I'm saying with the Tortugas. Interesting. Wait, the Bay Sox didn't come through for us? Yeah. Adam didn't? Yeah. That seems very unlike him. Was it? The, it was. They were the Congregos, weren't they? I thought it was maybe Del Marva. Yeah, that was what it was. I thought it was I Del Marva, was. and we didn't have quite the right. same relationship yeah, 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 yeah. with them at that point. I think that was a factor yeah, yeah, yeah. in all of this. Yeah, but trust me, I was. Yeah, was Adam. Adam would have come found through a way. Us, yes. so make that sure. You might. You might want to ask. See. See about. If they're it. still doing it. You know. I missed that. I lost my uh, Cape Cod hat. Where was it? Martha's Vineyard. What was the Martha's hat Vineyard? That, yeah. Martha's Vineyard that in turn uh, Tumnus gave us once upon a time. Congregos Fantasmas. Love that one. Love that one. God, what, a, what a team name that is. All right. Uh, thanks to Jose Torres. Today's program also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, we'll push the break. Yeah. We will uh, We will chat with this as we're going to get into we're, we're not we're not going to do fanny team no. for a little while. We're going to leave that alone. I sent did I send you the number? Did I send you, send you that? If not, it's written down on the back did. of that sheet. So you will have it there instead. Um so a couple of things real quick. Uh this is from this is from Chris Chris's do, 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 do. Um, Glenn, I heard you mention Devontae Freeman's name a little bit earlier on. Why are you opposed to him being the answer? I mean, if he were still a high-level running back, he would be rostered. And that's that's. I think that's the easiest way of saying it. Um, is that I, I think you just sort of have your answer on Devontae Freeman, and you know he had a couple of really good years in Atlanta. He had a couple of highly productive years. A couple people pointed out at the point at which they were up big in the Super Bowl, there was a chance he was going to be Super Bowl MVP. 
um, that year. Like that was that was how good things are going for him. But we're talking about that being like 2016. Yeah, we are significantly removed from there. He was still semi-productive two years ago. He ran for 656 yards in 14 games. That's like, could that be helpful? I guess it could be helpful, but not a guy that would be a priority for me, which is also not me saying like it would be the end of the world if the Ravens in a couple of weeks took a look at Devontae Freeman. He wouldn't be someone that you would be signing right now. He wouldn't be someone that you would be going about, you know, adding to your roster to guarantee a week one roster spot. That would not be something that you would do with Devontae Freeman. But if you get down the road and, you know, you don't have you don't have better options, then I guess you look at him then and and consider it. I just think the Ravens can do better than that. Uh, we're going to switch gears, and this is um, going to be a little bit different than what we typically do, but it's really, really important because our next guest is a hero. There's no way of getting around it. She, she's a hero, you know, already, um, someone who served her country as a Marine, and then you add to it what she has taken on over the course of the last couple of weeks given the circumstances and the situation in Afghanistan to evacuate um, Afghan women soccer players from a situation where they – would no longer be welcome in their own country. It's really incredible what she's done. Joining us now, she's a former soccer player at Navy. It's a pleasure for us to welcome to the program Haley Carter, who's with us now here on GCR. Haley, it is uh, Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It is really great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Haley, for people that don't know your background and are fascinated by the idea that you know, how, how did someone even end up working with the Afghanistan women's soccer program um, from the States? How did that ever happen? Can you give us the short version of your background and how that ended up being a challenge that you took on a few years ago? Yeah, of course. So um, so I played pro soccer for the Houston Dash um, after I left the Marine Corps. And in my final season, I had been coaching on the side. Uh, you know, I enjoy being around the game. I, I want to be around the game. my life. I mean, even when I was in the Marine Corps, I continued to play football. And uh, and my personal sponsor in my last year of playing was a company called Hummel. And their, uh, their corporate headquarters are based in Denmark. And at the time, the program director of the Afghanistan Women's National Team, Kalita Popal, who I'm sure many of you have, have also seen in the media lately, um, she was working for, for Hummel and, and my contact had said, Hey, you know, as a Marine, you, you have a special place in your heart for women in the, the Middle East and, and Central Asia. And, uh, I've, we've got to introduce you to Kalita. So I said, okay, sure. And, you know, Kalita and I hit it off right away. And, and I told her, I said, listen, if, if you need any help with the, with the women's team, reach out to me, let me know. And, and, you know, we can put together a solid coaching staff and, uh, sure enough, about two weeks later, she reached out and she said, how serious are you about that deal? Wow. And uh, and I said, super serious. So, you know, it just sort of took off from there. So I went from coaching in the collegiate game uh, to coaching internationally. And uh, and I was with them from 2016 through 2018. Our staff um, sort of ceased working with the Afghan Football Federation after we assisted several players in pursuing sexual assault allegations yeah. and investigations against the president of the federation. So, um, 
you know, but but we've been connected and, and very close with the players of that national team since 2016. But before I get there, I just want, if I could, on, on background, a couple of things. One being, um, I, I, I'm assuming that part of the reason why you weren't, you know, you, you weren't overwhelmed by this was that you had served in that. But, but I, I want to make sure I have this right. I know you served in Iraq. Had you served at all in Afghanistan during your Marine career? No. Okay. No, I did. I did. Um, I did two tours in Iraq, and then I worked at a command joint POW MIA accounting command and did humanitarian missions, recovery missions, and across. Southeast Asia, the latter half of my career in the Marine Corps. So, I, I, to be clear, did, did you move to Afghanistan when this this all happened? No, interestingly, okay. so we, our staff, it was never safe for Americans to That's travel what I, to Kabul okay. to coach. Okay. Yeah, it was never safe. But so, so what we did was half of our team actually consisted of women who lived outside of Afghanistan. Either they were refugees or their parents were refugees. They held dual citizenship, uh, have an Afghan passport. And then the other half came from inside Afghanistan. So uh, it was never safe enough for the women to play home games or events or international friendlies in mm-hmm. Kabul. So we would always travel to third countries. So we competed in the South Asia Football Federation Championships in India, for instance, in 2016. And we competed against Jordan in 2018 for two international friendlies as, as they were preparing for AFC uh, Women's World Cup qualifiers. So, so this was a, like we we knew the circumstances even before obviously the events of the last year. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was very clear that this was extreme. What you all were doing at that point? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even before the Taliban came into power, it was always an act of defiance for those women to play football yeah. and and not only just playing football, but these women were agents of social change. Correct. You know the the sexual assault allegations and investigations they. They fundamentally changed how the criminal justice system approaches survivors of sexual assault, and and because of that, they you know they're very high high visibility um, women and activists. So more than just athletes, you know, their their very existence is an act of defiance. This is this is unbelievable. Haley Carter is with us, former Navy women's soccer player. Um, so let's let's fast forward now to what's happened over the last month. So you know I. How much have you followed, because of your experience, how much have you followed the decision that was made under the previous administration to to remove troops and how this was going to unfold over the last year? How like how much had you been paying attention to it? And were you already thinking about, hey, we might need to start putting together an evacuation plan? Was that something that had been building from when the decision was made? Or did that come along more quickly once we realized how quickly the country was going to fall? Yeah, I mean, we I've been following it closely for, for a long time now. You know, I, I lost friends to that war. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost classmates to that war. And um, and so, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm still processing my feelings on all of this, to be completely honest sure. with you. But, of course, you know, we were tracking it. Um, and and the, the events of the last month, I would say, occurred much more rapidly than anybody anticipated. Not surprising to me, because we decided to out dead in the middle of a very documented, very clearly documented fighting season. So um, not terribly surprising that things fell as quickly as they did to the Taliban. Um, but, you know, yeah, we, we've been watching it and keeping an eye on it. And, and really about three weeks ago was when we started initial conversations about, you know, what are we going to do if Kabul falls? What is that going to look like? You know, how are we going to be able to get our players out? What kind of documentation do we need? And, and for us, proactive 
um, a proactive stance and, and speed and working on things concurrently versus uh, consequentially made a huge difference for us. So, you know, we were already starting to put together evacuation lists and, and documentation for visa paperwork and whatnot, you know, over two weeks ago. So how long did it take? And and I, I, I've read some about like the, the having to have some of these women go through sewage systems in order to sneak out. Like how long did all of this take to get how many players and how many people maybe connected to the players out of Afghanistan over the last few weeks? So so we started visa paperwork um, the two two Wednesdays ago now, um, and and by Saturday, that following Saturday. So so let's see. So the Taliban rolled into Kabul on a Sunday. We had visa documentation. We started working on that following Wednesday. And by the following Saturday, they were moving to the airport. Um, it took three days, two nights, uh, to get them into the airport, trying to navigate around various Taliban checkpoints, um, you know, moving their way towards the gate, trying to time the, the, the appropriate or optimal time to move forward to the gate, depending on what the crowds look like, uh, what the threat level was, and then making sure that we had contacts inside the airport to receive them, Um so, it, yeah, it, it, they flew out um, at 2.30 a.m. local time, my time, on Tuesday morning. So, yeah, so it took two nights of camping outside the airport trying to stay safe and, and monitoring their food and water and cell phone battery and whatnot um, before we could finally get all of them in. How, and how many total was it, Haley? 86 on that first flight, but um, total over 100. Oh my God! Oh my God! And, and I and I and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask: did, did, Were you able to get everyone before evacuations came to a close? We got everyone that was on our initial list. So the unfortunate part of this, but just you know, pragmatically speaking, is that we had to prioritize, right? So when I talk about those women who are agents of social change, you know, those are women who are very visible in the media, yeah. done multiple interviews. You know, everyone knew who they were. Uh, so we had to prioritize our, our senior national team, um, their families, and and other athletes as well were part of that group um, and officials. And, you know, everybody that was on our initial list made it out. Um, you know, we still have a few uh, players and families that remain, and, and we're, you know, we're working, obviously, on solutions for them as well. Is it is it plausible? I, I'm not trying to be bleak. It, is it? Can it be done still? Or, or, you know, obviously today was such an important date in all of this. I mean, I like to think optimistically, right? I, we've, you know, no, nobody on our team has ever thought we can't do this or, or we can't pull this off. We don't necessarily know what the options look like. You know, there are quite a few things that need to, to, to clear themselves up. Um, and I'm sure, you know, many have seen in the news that the, the Turks and the Qataris are, are negotiating with the Taliban to see who's going to run the airport. Uh, and eventually the Taliban are going to have to start governing the country, right? So at some point the focus is, is going to shift, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty right now that I think, you know, is, is creating chaos, and and things change still every day. So it's a matter of, of you know, letting the situation sort of develop and, and then explore what, what options are. We don't really know what those look like yet, but, I you know, I continue to remain positive. We don't uh, we can't afford to be negative about no, it. No, so. and I certainly understand that, and I, and I appreciate that. Uh, Haley, I saw that the initial group was evacuated to Australia, um, and, mm-hmm. and and grateful for um, them stepping up and 
and welcoming refugees the way that they have. Um, there are a lot of people, and I'm not. I don't. I, I want to make this very clear. I have no interest in a political conversation. We do a sports show, Haley. Right? Like I am the dumbest yeah. guy that lives. I don't want to yeah. have a political conversation. But what, what seems like it shouldn't be a political topic is the importance of accepting and welcoming refugees given these circumstances. What is your message to the average person about the significance of it and and yeah. and the need for welcoming refugees given these circumstances? Yeah, this is for me this is this is a human issue. This isn't a political issue. You know, nobody wants to leave their family, their homes, their lives, their professions, everything that they've ever known to move to a foreign country with nothing. Nobody wants to do that. And and the amount of trauma that these people have endured, and, and these women have especially endured over the last two weeks, is just unspeakable. Um, you know, so I would just ask that, that people show some compassion. You know, this, immigrants are what make America great. We wouldn't exist without immigrants. And so I, I hope that, um, that people understand the desperation that, you know, these individuals have, have shown. You know, the fact that that a, a male youth soccer player would rather cling to the landing gear of a mm-hmm. C-17 than risk living under the Taliban. Like, that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that this situation is, is highly dangerous, highly volatile, and these people have sacrificed, you know, everything, everything that they've known. And like I said, they, they have family members that they've left behind, and, you know, it's a tragedy. And, and like I said, you know, it's... it's decent human beings we need to show compassion and and appreciate the struggle that they've they've undertaken i I greatly appreciate what you're saying if someone wanted to help you in some sort of way knowing this you said there's still work that that wanted to be done is is there somewhere they could be guided to if someone's moved and says i want to offer financial support for what you're doing anything that i can do to help in these missions and what and still trying to get some people out of the country is there somewhere that they can go information they could get about doing that yeah, so there's several organizations that are that are trying to support Equality League is one of them. Um, Girl Power Org, which is Kalita Popal's group out of based out of Denmark. And then um, last and certainly not least, Human Rights for All out of Australia. They're a pro bono law firm that's been assisting with all of our visa applications and asylum paperwork. Um, and, you know, and the fact that they're a, a pro bono firm, they could always use some some additional assistance. And and I have to say that we were incredibly fortunate with the team that we had. There were six of us. So um, you had myself as a former Marine who was able to get, you know, real-time open-source intel and what was happening on the ground. We had Kalita to coordinate Indari with the players. And, of course, some of the players spoke English as well, so we sort of tagged out on our on our team WhatsApp chat. Um, but but the, the paperwork was so important. You know, I mean, we learned even in the Holocaust that, people that were, were moving and trying to escape had to have papers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was more than just getting your name on an evacuation list. You truly had to have visa paperwork and applications approved. And so, you know, the, the expertise that came with our human rights lawyers and immigration lawyers and team that we worked with, they were feeling, they were filling out visa applications in real time. Um, and, you know, we, we were getting cascaras and passports, sent to us on WhatsApp and immediately sending it to the lawyers who were getting it done. So, you know, our our paper pushers are all-star superstars. 
That's awesome. Uh, and we couldn't have done what we did without them as well. So. That's, that's remarkable, Haley. That's really remarkable. Um, if I could only, and I know I need to let you go because you've been doing, you know, you've got a lot of really important national interviews that you're doing this week too. <laughs> um, if I could just because of selfish things, because we are a sports show, um, Karen Gabara is still doing, and I, and I, I call Patriot League Soccer at Loyola. Uh, I have yeah. watched them continue to dominate that league. They just went and beat Maryland the other day, by the they way. They just crushed Maryland. Yeah, beat yeah, three to one. That. Take that, Terp. How, how, beat everyone. <laughs> how remarkable is it to you that she is, has, has managed to keep that program at such an unbelievably high level on to now 2021, where we are right now? Well, you know, she has an excellent recruiting draw, I think. You know, the Naval Academy sort of sells itself. And the type of athlete and individuals who want to go to school there are, are special. Sure. Uh, obviously, obviously, I'm biased. But, <laughs> no, um, it's, you it's know, proven. When you, when, you, when you make the commitment to play Division One college soccer there, it's much bigger than soccer. You know, you recognize you're not necessarily going there to be, become a pro soccer player. And I was really fortunate. I got the opportunity to play pro after I left the Marine Corps. But, you know, that the opportunities there are very you know, few and far between. So the type of individuals and humans that she's recruiting to that program, it doesn't surprise me at all that they, they continue to find success. That's awesome. Um, you know, that's a team that, that outworks, out hustles um, any opponent that they can, they, they go against. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And that was really impressive what they did the other night. That was emphatic, as you pointed out, 3-1 against Maryland uh, on the road in College Park. Uh, Haley Carter, I, I don't know what other to say other than thank you um, for your this, your dedication to something that matters significantly. Um, you're, you're a hero, and I know that that's not what you're here to do is to have people, but like you are, and that's just the reality of it. Um, it's at H underscore C underscore Carter on Twitter is how you give her a follow. Haley, thank you for your dedication to this, and thank you so much for, for talking about it with a, a dumb guy in Baltimore this morning. Really appreciate Stop you doing it. this. Thanks, thanks for the platform. I, I really appreciate it, you guys. It's an important story to be told. It, it's going to continue to be in the news. We need to keep it in the news, what's happening in Afghanistan, because it'll continue to be a humanitarian crisis. So I really appreciate the platform. Thank you, Haley. Really appreciate you doing it. Haley Carter, um, I don't know how you don't get chills you know, hearing her talk about that. And, and what they had to do in order to get these athletes out of this country where they were in significant danger. Um, it's kind of overwhelming. And, I mean, the, the stories were that, like, they were told to burn their jerseys when the Taliban took control. Do you imagine that? The first thing this group told them to do, go and burn your jerseys so that you can have deniability that you were part of this should you be sought out. It's insane. I mean, it's utterly insane. And it's incredibly heroic, the efforts of Haley Carter and that group um, no in order to get those women out of that country um, and into safety. And look, again, I'm not, we don't do politics. I'm not interested in political conversations. I'm not interested in anything of that, of that nature. Um, but I, you know, I, I'd like to think shouldn't be a political issue about whether you can live. It sure as hell shouldn't be, and I, even the refugee issue to of me course. should not. This type of thing that shouldn't be a political conversation, right. but often tends to be in these circumstances for horrendous reasons. But I'm grateful that they found asylum um, in Australia for now, and hopefully that asylum continues, and um, that other countries will, including our own, will be more proactive in that way to try to take care of these people that have no interest in leaving their own country but have no choice 
but to leave their own country as well. It is a very difficult thing. Um, yes, obviously vetting a hundred. I make that very clear. I'm not just. I get it. That's the way that we do this. But man, man, it's powerful. Uh, really hard to transition after you have a conversation like that. Really difficult to. Um, I don't think we're gonna take a break. I would imagine. Yeah, that's definitely what we're gonna yeah. do. Is we're gonna take a break because no offense to Steve Sands, and I'm looking forward to that conversation and talking about it. Just really pales in comparison. Sure. Just really pales in comparison in terms of significance. Um, so yeah, we will grab a break. When we come back in, we will talk more. Put sort of the final touches on the weekend that was out at Cave. Steve Sands from the Golf Channel is gonna join us. We will do that next. It is uh, Glenn Clark Radio. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Party with the flock at the Ravens Countdown to Kickoff Watch Party presented by Miller Lite on Monday, September 13th at M&T Bank Stadium. Celebrate the start of the season with a live performance by all-time low, plus a watch party for the Ravens vs. Raiders game on the Ravens Vision Boards. Appearances by Ravens legends, cheerleaders, Baltimore's marching Ravens, playmakers, and Poe. Tickets are $10 in advance and $20 the day of the event. Visit BaltimoreRavens.com slash kickoff for tickets and more info. Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po'boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. 
Hey, it's KZ. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is back, as always, on Thursdays. You can catch it at 1130. We're brought to you this year, CCBC and Glory Days Grill. You can catch the show two ways, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash radio. The slash radio is if you want to listen. On Facebook is if you actually want to see my ugly face. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. DFS, daily lineups, keepers, all kinds of fun stuff. Please tune in, Press Box Fantasy Football Show. Every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. This is GlennBarRadio.com. Nothing but net. All right, back in here on GCR. Today's show is also brought to you by... Sorry, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff at the same time. Window Nation, final day of August, final opportunity for you to take advantage of their 15th anniversary deal where they are offering anyone who gets an in-home estimate the opportunity to get their project taken care of for free, gratis. So you got to get on it today. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You can also buy two windows and get two free and pay nothing for two full years as Window Nation celebrates their 15th anniversary. Love Window Nation. Love everything they go about or they are about and... uh, They've got another great offer coming for you in September that we will be telling you more about as well. Um, this is an interesting note from Jeff Zrebeck. The Jets released Josh Johnson, who is, as I think I mentioned before, the only quarterback on the roster that had any NFL experience, uh, actual game experience. Jeff Zrebeck says the following, uh, depending on what the Ravens decide to do with McSorley, do they keep him as number three quarterback or does he clear waivers and return to practice squad if they don't? I could see Johnson as a guy the Ravens might want to add to the practice squad, only if McSorley is not in the picture. And I certainly get that based on his skill set and your familiarity with him. I could see why he would be someone that would be intriguing for this scenario that we're talking about where who's a quarterback you could put on your practice squad that in an emergency COVID situation you could feel some amount of trust could come in and play for you for a game and get you through it and at least give you a puncher's chance. And so I can see what it is that Jeff is trying to say when he says that. All right, let's put the final touches on the weekend that was out at Caves Valley. Joining us now from um, the from the Golf Channel and from NBC, this man, of course, you see him do all the interviews. He's the on-course reporter. And uh, he's a guy that I know was uh, very involved and, and interested in how this was going to play out out at Caves. We talked to him a couple months ago. It's good to have him back. He's Steve Sands, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Steve, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us after a busy weekend. Absolutely. Anytime, man. Baltimore put on quite the show last week. It was awesome to be So honestly, as much as the golf was really compelling, Steve, I, I want to talk to you more about that <laughs> before we get to anything related to the golf because I, I, it's interesting to me, I would think, and being out there and sold out crowds every day and the embrace that the city had – for the event, like that side of it, I think if you're caves, if you're the people, you you got to feel good about the show that you put on from that aspect and the chances that you have of major golf events returning in the not-so-distant future, right? It was great. Um, it was the best atmosphere I've seen all year in golf. Uh, and obviously it's been a, a weird year and a half for sports and, and for fans and the, energy and, and the, uh, the electricity that's been at sporting events our whole lives has been kind of been in an upheaval here in the last year and a half but man was it fun last week that place was rocking the way it was set up 
uh, was great. Uh, the good people in Maryland and, and Baltimore uh, came out, not just golf fans, but sports fans. Uh, it's been a long time, almost 59 years uh, since the PGA Tour uh, was in Baltimore. And everybody knows how great a sports city Baltimore is, um, you know, with the Orioles forever and ever and the Ravens and Maryland football, basketball and Towson and everybody else, uh, you know, in the area that, that gathers around with other colleges and high school stuff as well. And, Man, that place was jumping yep. last week, and and the, the players put on a show. Uh, but the players all recognized how great the atmosphere was. And as someone who's you know from Maryland, yep. I just was real proud uh, to see Baltimore stand up like that. It was it was awesome, and and I do think the PGA Tour took notice. I do think that you know the players and and everybody involved with the tour, especially BMW as a sponsor, uh, took notice of what it was like, and, and it was the best finish and the best atmosphere all season on the PGA Tour. That has to go a long way to bringing a tour event back there. All right, so the the only concern that seemed to be shared by a few people was, it was the course too easy? And and maybe, Steve, yeah. you're going to tell me that, that that might be part of what they were trying to have here, is they wanted low scores, and they want the playoffs to be kind of exciting in that way, but... Is there any concern at all about the fact that literally everyone finished under par and that the numbers almost kind of got cartoonish as the weekend went along? Listen, they're the best players in the world. And <clears throat> I was talking to a couple of friends of mine who were members uh, at Kays Valley, and I said, guys, listen, don't worry about the scores. It's the same sport you're playing, but it's a totally different game. These guys are so great at what they do. When you give them soft greens – Fairways that are a little bit more generous than perhaps uh, they're used to on the PGA Tour, but it's a member's golf course, guys. Remember that. And there's no way to, to just completely tighten the screws once a year and mess up the golf course for all the members there at Case Valley. And the score means nothing. Uh, when you give PGA Tour players a soft golf course, meaning soft, not as in, not as in easy, right. as soft as in the the the, the way the, the golf course was receiving golf balls, the ball wasn't going anywhere. So when you give them distances, say they're in the fairway and they're 167 away from the hole, well, four out of five times, they're going to hit that golf ball within two or three yards of that distance. Now, if the greens are not soft because of all the humidity and all the rain from the week prior uh, and the lack of wind and the chance for it to dry out to get firm and fast, you know, that ball could bounce 167 if it was firm and fast and go about 180. Or maybe they would hit it to a 150 yardage and try to roll it up there 167. But when you give them, I'm using 167 as an example. Sure. If you give them 167 as a specific then number. They, they can just go target, attack, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They, 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 the greens had no chance. The golf course is awesome. But if it was firm and fast, it still would have been 15, 16 under. You have four par fives. It's a really, really good golf course. The players loved it, and it was an exciting event. And by the way, a year from now, when people look back on the BMW, they'll only think of the Six, Cantley DeChambeau yeah, finish. Sure. They won't think of the score. Last year, the playoff was incredible at Olympia Fields with John Rahm and Dustin Johnson, and nobody remembers 
that it was like one or two under was the winning score, and nobody uh, got to under par. Nobody cares about the score. They care about the competition and the excitement of it all, and that's what took place this past week. Steve Sands, the golf course is awesome. Steve Sands is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Of course, he was there for what was ended up being just an absolute thrill ride on Sunday. We'll talk more about that. Let, let me just stay on this, if I could, for one second, Steve. The is this the event, right? Like, is, is you know, there's only one of these that's on the schedule moving forward next year in Wilmington. Is this the right event to bring back to Baltimore? You can, there's always going to be a great field, so you can always get um, the the fan energy. Is there any world in which, you know, caves is something that you consider for maybe a, a Ryder Cup or a PGA or something like? Or is is this really the event? Like this, this should be in the semi rotation over the years, the BMW Championship in Baltimore. I would love, I would love it. Uh, I would love to see Case Valley be in the semi rotation. Uh, you know, it's in Chicago um, mostly every other year. Uh, they're they're having some conflicts next year. That's why it's going to be in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, but they've moved it to some great golf courses: Cherry Creek, uh, Cherry Hill, excuse me, out in uh, Denver, Colorado; Crooked Stick in Indianapolis; Aronimink up in Philadelphia; now Caves Valley in Baltimore. When it goes outside Chicago, I think Baltimore should be in the rotation, and Caves Valley is is a wonderful setting uh, for the BMW Championship. Could it host a major? Probably not. Yeah. Um, could it host a Ryder Cup? Absolutely. Man. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason that Caves. I shouldn't even say that about a major. I don't see any reason why Caves Valley uh, could not host uh, a major championship, a Ryder Cup, or a Presidents Cup. Uh, after seeing what took place last week, that the biggest thing with the PGA Tour is. Let's connect a sponsor with a golf course and a community and see if we can bring it together. Well, that clearly took place last week uh, for the first time in the modern era for the PGA Tour. There's no reason the USGA, which, which takes care of the U.S. Open, and the PGA of America, which takes care of the PGA Championship and also the Ryder Cup. Yep. There's no reason that the PGA Tour with the President's Cup or the BMW Championship or the PGA of America or the USGA don't look back at last week and see the excitement of it all and realize with 16 being a par 5 that's reachable and all those fans you could surround around it and then 17 down the hill to par 3 and have all those grandstands and all those fans surrounding that hole and then 18 being a hole where you can hit it in the water like Bryson did in in the playoff, yep. but also make a wonderful par save to extend the playoff and have those grandstands all the way around 18. There's no reason. Baltimore's a big-time sports city. There's no reason that that area doesn't host a regular PGA Tour event or a playoff event like we saw last week or even something larger than that. Steve, where are you with the, the Bryson conundrum for as far as <laughs> fan? And I know it's a bigger like – we could probably do six hours on this particular topic, but – particularly in relationship to the fans and, and the, the, the folks that are getting after him and, you know, him kind of losing his cool at times and right. how much of that is on him, how much of it is on, you know, hey, may, maybe maybe we don't, maybe we ease up a little bit. Maybe it's time to respect the fact that while he might not be your guy, he's a hell of a player, right? Like, where are right. we with the whole Bryson conundrum? You know, Tiger told me years ago that, he used to hear things, still does probably. I mean, obviously he's not playing right now, but when he played and when he was playing regularly, he used to hear things that you would think are unfathomable uh, from the positive and mostly the negative from the haters and all those yahoos who were out there. Fans 
our fans. We see what's going on with Javier Baez and the mm-hmm. Mets. That you mm-hmm. cannot engage uh, with fans that way. I, I wish Bryson wouldn't do it. Um, fans have the right to act like idiots. Uh, as long as they don't cross the line and say anything, you know, you could say cursing in front of other children or say something about someone's girlfriend or wife that you shouldn't or, you know, whatever you want to say is crossing the line. I am a big believer that athletes should never engage with fans in that regard. They've got to learn to just take it. It's not easy. I've never been booed like that and heckled like that. You guys probably haven't either. But I, well, only I by my own children, Steve. That's yeah, the exactly. only thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. well, I'll tell you a story. Speaking of your own children, we have one son. We have three sons. Two of them are in college. One of them's left. They're all huge sports fans. Last night, my, uh, our 11th grader, my wife and I, we watched Malice at the Palace. Oh, yeah, the Netflix, Netflix yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Phenomenal, a phenomenal documentary. And my son kept saying, man, I can't believe they went into the stands like that. You know, he's never seen anything like that in, in his lifetime as far as, you know, anything that crazy. Um, I, I think it's a mistake for fans to act like idiots like that. But I think it's a bigger – I'm not a booer or a heckler. I just go to games and, you know, it sucks when my team's not playing well or the guy I'm rooting for is not playing well. But you don't boo and heckle. I, I don't do that anyway. And I've had plenty of beers at games uh, where I've been sauced up and thought, boy, this is the time to yell something. It would be right now. But I think it's a larger mistake for athletes to engage with fans in that regard. I think sure. they just need to learn it's part of the job and they need to take it. And I think. Bryson, unfortunately, has made it personal. And I think the fans have piled on with this Brooks Kepka thing. And Bryson, I think, sadly, is doing it to himself. you got to come out and just kind of shake it off somehow. Other athletes have done it. They've been heckled as well. Uh, I think Bryson's making a mistake. But I also think fans are ridiculous sometimes. But I think on the, on the athlete side, sellers, you, you can't engage with drunk people who have been out there all day boozing in the sun and the heat and humidity and they're rooting for or against you and they just feel like being on tv or on the radio or on a podcast or in a newspaper or just feel like being recognized out there and once you engage with those guys you're you're done and and bryson needs to stop or else this is going to continue he's got a long career ahead of him guys sure. I, I wish he wouldn't do that yeah it's a battle you can't win i completely agree with you steve there's no there's, there's no win. way it's like there's fighting n- back on twitter correct you can't do correct that. i mean there's it's just there's there's nothing you you can't use reason with these people you know like it's no. it's, it's beyond that i completely understand it um, what, what, what in your mind, I know that, that we, we know the first six are now locked in, Patrick Cantley's in, um, what is still to be determined in regards to the Ryder Cup team at this point? You know, I think that the last couple spots, um, you know, probably have been sewn up. Um, you know, I think there were a few guys, say like a Kevin Kisner, he won a few year, a few weeks ago in Greensboro, very popular player on tour, a great putter. I mean, a great putter. And at the end of the day, as long as Whistling Straits is, uh, as good a golf course as it is, usually the Ryder Cup ends up being a putting contest, uh, especially if you pair him with the right person. So I think Kevin needed to play well, and he didn't uh, the first couple of weeks. So of the playoffs, you still have one more week to go for these guys. Steve Stricker's the captain. Um, I think he's got a, a little bit of choosing to do, but 
I think four or five of those, probably five of the six captain spots are sewn up. I, maybe there's one spot left for someone to make a great run. Um, but, you know, I don't love the six spots. I think it should be ten guys who earn it and two captain's picks. I, it's a two-year, in this case, a three-year race sure. um, to get on that team. Six captain's picks. I love that. And by the way, the Patrick Reed thing makes it interesting. You know, mm-hmm. he's got double pneumonia, wasn't there last week. So instead of having 70 guys, there were 69 in the field last week in Baltimore. And I think that, you know, if he's not able to go here this week at the Tour Championship in Atlanta and Steve Stricker has to make these captain's picks on Wednesday, uh, a week from tomorrow, meaning a week from Wednesday, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, there could be another slot sure. open there sure. uh, with the Patrick Reed situation. That's a tough spot, no doubt. We will see how that plays out. And as Steve mentions, of course, they're back on NBC this weekend for the Tour Championship as the top 30 golfers with uh, a whole boatload of money on the line. Just if I could wrap up, Steve, I, the the way that they're doing it this year with, like, the staggered scores, I, I just because I don't – are are the players like on board with it, or do they think that this is like kind of weird and not really like? Is it going to feel weird for someone to win a tournament on Sunday that didn't really win the tournament? Like it's it's, it's a good question. Uh, the players, it's year three of this, and nothing goofy has happened yet. Okay, but if something goofy happens, believe me, the players will speak up. I, I think the players quietly they've told us hey, they like it, don't love it. Um, they think it's a little odd. They want to see how it plays out. They trust the tour and all the metrics that they use. But I forget when the Ravens won both of their Super Bowls, if they won their division or they came from the wild card spot. The first, the one, the, from... the first one, they were wild card. The first okay, one. Okay, so yep. the first one, they came from the wild card spot. The second one, they won the division. So last year, the Bucks, uh won from the wild card spot. Imagine if they went to Washington in that first week, the Skins, or Washington football team, excuse me, after going 7-9, and nine, hosting the Bucks, because they got to host them and won the division, they had a 7 nothing lead uh, to begin the game. You know, it was a one-possession game there in the fourth quarter. I don't love staggered starts in sports. I think that I don't mind the advantage that players have at the first week of the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs at the sure. Northern Trust and then last week at the BMW. But if you make it to Eastlake, you've got to have a chance to win it all. It's the Super Bowl of, of the sport as far as the PGA Tour is concerned. And to me, if you're 30th going into this week and you're 10 back of the league, yeah, you have no chance. You've got no right. chance of winning that. That's not fair. Let, let them play. I think the players feel that way. They don't love that it's a 10-shot swing from top to bottom, 1 to 30. Way more than half of the tournaments are won in a playoff by one shot or two shots. So usually golf is tight. So to give a guy a two-shot lead to start the week, that's a lot. And you're begging for either, A, last year's scenario, when Dustin Johnson kind of ran away with it and it wasn't very exciting, or B, the worst part of that scenario is somebody having the best 72-hole score but not winning because he was staggered behind the leader wherever he was in the standings. So, to me, started at zero, let him play for the whole thing and get after it. I don't like the staggered start, and the guys don't really love it either. 
Well, we're going to do it anyway this weekend, and we're going to encourage everybody to tune in on NBC in order to watch yeah, it, despite the fact. Oh, you got to watch. Yeah, no doubt. I just think it's a weird start. It's an insane amount of money that's at stake, uh, and there could yeah, be that scenario where there's one putt to win a boatload of money. Well, what a great weekend it was. It was great to have you back this way, Steve, and you know what a show it was uh, from a golf perspective, from the uh, the support and the, the way that it was embraced by the community. It was just an awesome thing. Really appreciate taking the time for us this morning, as always. Talk to you again real soon. Thank you for doing it. It's... No sweat. Anytime. And thanks to uh, everybody in Maryland and Baltimore for having us last week. It was a blast. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Steve Sands, the Golf Channel and NBC, of course. And, um, you know, it was. It was a tremendous event, obviously. And the people that have their opinions about the golf course, and I get that. And People were commenting. It was too easy. Well, they didn't really listen to the interview and talk about well, I mean, why the, it was so and, easy. And that's the point. But, and but they the could prob- also make it with the problem being, and this is what Van Valkenburg pointed out yesterday. All the time in Baltimore. There's never if year. you're going to play the BMW Championship here, that's the weather but you're going to get. But you could get. still narrow the fairways. You could I mean, make there, it a little bit can, more difficult. You right? can like, trick it up a little right. bit, yes. But that almost becomes like gimmicky in a different. I don't know that the well, players they, want they, that. They widened it, didn't they? They made them wider for this tournament, from what I remember Drew a, saying. A little bit, I think, is the story. I mean, there's things within their power to try to lower the scores if that's what they're trying to do, but I maybe but again, not. There's, you can only there's, do so and much. that's the thing that I can't really get a straight answer on. There is quite the opinion that that's what they want right now, that the majority of the players are not interested after playing an entire year mm-hmm. and then having to battle golf courses down the stretch. Now, the amount of money that's involved is likely to keep these top players that even if yeah. the courses were more difficult, they would. It's it's unlikely that any of these guys are bailing when like fifteen million bucks is at stake. It's even though they're quite wealthy already, it's unlikely to bail. But could it be the reason why they should just have someone like us play with them to show just how exactly, good these guys exactly. are? Exactly, I do think not that helps. Can score that well, you know? do, who does that as a bit? That's somebody's bit. Uh, uh, Bill Murray said they should do it for the Olympics. The Olympics. I feel like. Is that yeah. who it was, Bill Murray? Or is it Bill Burr? It's been multiple people, I think, who have said something similar. It might have been Bill Murray. So, but there, Bill Murray. It might be. You might be right about it. It might be Bill Murray. Um, I, I don't I don't know, and I'm not a golf person, so I'm the wrong person to ask because, like, and I I did my Kansas City hit yesterday, and they were talking to me about it. I'm like, I as a casual observer... I didn't mind. It didn't bother me one bit. In fact, in comparison to watching... U.S. Opens where guys were, I remember when like at Pinehurst where you watch every ball roll off the green. Mm-hmm. Like, how is a casual golf fan interested in that? Like, what what is exciting about you did everything right, but you got penalized for it anyway? Like, why would that make you more inclined to watch this sport? It'd be to me, it would make you more inclined to say, "This is stupid." Like, if I do everything right and it still doesn't work out for me. Forget it. I'm not interested. And there's a big difference between that and putting the ball in the water. I understand that. But like maybe they should put more water in the middle of the fairway. Ah, that's an that's a heck of an idea. Right in the middle of yeah. the fairway. Just smack it down right in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, that's what I would do. That's a it's a tremendous idea. Um I know people have pointed out that like this the the way this particular course is particularly lined up for guys like Chambo, you know, for yeah, just rip it and correct. You know. And so you could say that's a little unfair. I don't know, but well, he didn't win. He didn't, as it turns out. And he had his chances. He had plenty of opportunities. Could not have had more chances to win this tournament and failed to do it. When you're up by one, going to the 17th, and the other guy puts the ball in the water, Mm -hmm. pretty friggin' shameful that you didn't figure out a way to win the tournament from there. Um, It's a different conversation, obviously. I would have never put it in the water. That's Well, I wouldn't have done that either. But 
<laughs> Correct. 100%. No chance it's getting to the water from me on that 17th hole out of caves. But Patrick Cantlay did and ended yep. up, you know, DeChambeau had the great opportunity and just scuffed his chip and ended up making a four. And so he only had that one stroke lead going to 18 mm-hmm. and it all went to hell from there. But um, I don't know. It didn't bother me. It didn't bother me that the course was so easy. I'm just, I get it. I'm not an, a hardcore golf fan. And maybe hardcore golf fans were bothered by it, but doesn't seem as though we talk to people that should be what would keep caves from from hosting significant golf events every thursday the press box fantasy football show at 11 30 a.m with ken zalis brought to you by ccbc and glory days grill facebook.com slash press box sports press box slash radio we'll see you for that and in a couple of thursdays two weeks no one week from this thursday the season is opening, and the place to be will be Sports and Social, where you can hang out with KZ. Ken Zalis will be there Thursday, September 9th, starting at 7 o'clock at Sports and Social inside of Live Casino Hotel. Come hang out with KZ. He'll give you fantasy advice. He will you know, tell you what you screwed up in your draft and who's sitting on your waiver wire that you should have instead. He'll look at maybe some other rosters, some trades that you consider making, all of those things. KZ will do that with you next Thursday night, September 9th, 7 o'clock at Sports and Social, uh, which you should be checking out anyway because it is just a phenomenal place. The menu's great. It's an awesome spot to hang. Gaming is coming. But particularly, you're going to want to be there on the 9th to hang out with KZ, get your fantasy football advice, and watch the Dallas-Tampa game to open the season We'll see you then. You must be 21 or older to be there at Sports and Social in Live Casino Hotel. Winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Uh, Stan and Ross did a show together last night uh, just talking about where the Orioles are through all of this misery. Just wanted to sort of catch up and and talk current baseball, so they did that. They try to do that every few weeks. They did it last night, and if you missed it, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, or go to pressboxonline.com. Stan Shows is always brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 to get roof and siding repairs for just the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or c3america.com for your free analysis. Tidbit of the day. Uh, let's start with the bad, I suppose. Uh, for the Orioles in 2021, their run differential of negative 235. Hmm. Hmm. 30, Hang on. It wasn't that much different in 2012, was it? 37 runs worse than the second worst team, the Diamondbacks. I mean, excuse me, the Pirates, not even the Diamondbacks. Oh. Diamondbacks are third worst, 182. Well, they've been killing it recently. So they have a substantial lead in that regard. Now, what do you get for that? As, unfortunately, nothing but criticism. Oh, boy. Yeah. However, rough. doesn't change that there are, I guess, maybe two or three positives as far as the Orioles are concerned this year. Of course, one of them is Cedric I love Mullins. that you're still doing Orioles tidbits. Like they have been... stats that are actually being put out. So, uh, Ryan Mountcastle is another of the positives. He whacked his 25th home run of his season, this being his official or technical rookie season. And they were out back whacking. Not only that, but after a lot of criticism, there was minor league career. Stan the Fan was one of the people doing this as well. His plate discipline 
has proved to be a little better than maybe we would have given him it was credit for. Sure. His on-base percentage this season crept up to 316, not world-beating, but if he can grow on that, then there's, well, there's a lot to be done there. But not only that, in his full 2019 season, that triple A, in 553 plate appearances, Mountcastle walked only 24 times. Not ideal. No. This season at the major league level, in 456 plate appearances, so 97 fewer than his last full season minor league season, he has five more walks on the year. And fewer strikeouts, though the strikeouts will expectedly climb above that total. Regardless, yeah. the walks are encouraging for Mountcastle. Of course, he is not Cedric Mullins, though, who has put on quite the show this year. 24 home runs, 24 stolen bases, one away in each category from becoming just the third Oriole ever with a 25-25 season. Who are the other two? I swear I saw this the other day, too. Son of a bitch. Um, Brady? Not Brady. Yeah, I mean, I guess he stopped stealing bases by the time that he started hitting home runs. Um, Let's see what his best was. Brady Anderson's best combined season. He had a 21 homer, 53 steal season. That was all right, but not 25 25. Is it Don Baylor? It is. Don Baylor is one. Okay. 1975, he did this. Brady also had a 50 homer, 21 steal season. And I feel like and I remember. 24-36, so close. Oh, man, Jesus. I feel like I remember the other one was someone who was only here for a short amount of time. Roberto Alomar. No. Am I right that it was someone who was only here for a short amount of time? You are. Was it Reggie Jackson? In 1976, okay. it was Mr. October I, I, himself. I would have never known. I know I saw this floating around the uh, the, the tweeters mm-hmm. the other day. I know I saw the fun same, little fact. The same tweet. It is a fun little fact. I don't disagree. Do you know who the only uh, Orioles rookies are all time that have hit more home runs in a single season than uh, Mancini? Nope. Well, he had 27 his rookie years. So no, he... no, no. We decided that that wasn't. We did this math before. Uh, well, Cal Ripken, obviously. Uh, Cal Ripken, yes. He leads it. Yep. And I really think it was Mancini. It was not Mancini. Um, okay. Um, Mancini had 24. Okay. Then it was somebody with 27. Yep. It was not Gibbons. It was not Gibbons. It was... It shouldn't require this much thought, honestly. Eddie Murray? It was Eddie Murray. Okay. Eddie Murray was the other one. Cal Ripken, uh, 28 in 1982. Eddie Murray, 27 in 1977. Those are the two m- biggest rookie home run totals in Orioles history. Tidbit was also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. They are hiring at Glory Days Grill. All positions, if you want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community, then stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Find out more at glorydaysgrill.com. Tubular, brought to you today by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. 
Here's what's going on. Orioles and Blue Jays again. Masson 2, Keegan Aiken, and Hyunjin Ryu, 7 o'clock. Masson's got Phillies Nationals at 7. MLB Network, Marlins Mets at 1. Cardinals Reds at 6.30. FS1 for Brewers Giants at 9.45. ESPN's got coverage of the U.S. Open. Novak Djokovic uh, plays his first match a little bit later on tonight. Ash Barty, the top seed on the women's side, plays her first match today as well. Uh, NBA TV, Connecticut Sun, Washington Mystics at 7. It's also on NBC Sports Washington locally. The Chicago Sky and Phoenix Mercury at 10. NBC Sports Network, the uh, Paralympics continue tonight at 9. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights. Chopped Food Network, 8 o'clock. National Geographic is doing a four-part series, docuseries, on 9-11, One Day in America. Uh, This is parts 2 and 3 tonight, starting at 9. Miracle Workers, 10.30 on TBS. Final Hard Knocks episode tonight at 10 on HBO. And stuff and things. Check it all out. WinClarkRadio.com. All right. Very good. I'll, I'll do that then, if you insist. Hey, don't forget the Tyus Bowser Show is kicking off on September 7th. We will be at Mother's in Pasadena with the Baltimore linebacker, who, by the way, might be checking in on the program tomorrow. Might be. Don't know that yet, but he might be checking in. Just to say hello, just to, you know, to remind everybody to come out and hang out with us on uh, September 7th at Mother's in Pasadena. We're going to be doing eight of them as the year goes on, and it's very simple. You come out, you can meet Tyus and one of his teammates, and you'll be able to get an autograph. You will be able to take a picture. We just got to do a little bit of a distance thing. I'm sorry. I wish there was something we could do about that, but, you know, we don't want to be the ones that cause the outbreak. Not going to be great uh, for us if they pinpoint the outbreak started. Not going to be great for anybody. You're not going to be happy about it. That, that autograph and that picture aren't going to make you feel better when nobody can play against the Steelers later on in the season or the Browns. So we're not going to do that. It'll be a little bit of a distance thing, but you'll be able to get the picture. I promise you, you'll be close enough that everybody will be able to tell that you met Tyus Bowser, and that you met uh, his teammates. I assure you that is the case. Um, first one, as I mentioned, next Tuesday night, the 7th, at Mothers in Pasadena. It's brought to you by Pressbox, Great Eights Memorabilia, and by Express Interior Design. Find out more about these shows by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser, and we will see you there next Tuesday night. And, of course, uh, greatatesmemorabilia.com as well. You can find out more about all of their upcoming events at greatatesmemorabilia.com. And if you haven't picked up the new print issue of Pressbox yet, do it right now. Marlon Humphrey's on the cover. It's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, and read it all, pressboxonline.com. Thanks today to Steve Sands on the Golf Channel. Thanks to Jose Torres, uh, former Calvert Hall Cardinal, now um, in the Reds organization after going in the third round. And thanks also today to um, Haley Carter, that amazing story that she told us about uh, evacuating um, the Afghani women's soccer players. Just an incredible, incredibly powerful, moving conversation with uh, former Navy soccer player Haley Carter. Get all those up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. We're going to do a lot of college football tomorrow. We're going to chat with Mike Golick Jr., who's going to be calling Maryland-West Virginia on Saturday. Um, of course, you need to see him on ESPN and hear him on ESPN Radio, but Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us tomorrow. Uh, Morgan State football coach Tyrone Wheatley is going to join us tomorrow. Um, Stevenson football coach Ed Hoddle is going to join us tomorrow. You know, Towson Morgan State's coming up on Saturday. Another cool local matchup on Saturday is Stevenson Johns Hopkins 
at the D3 level. Hopkins has been a great program. And there's a chance, by the way, their coach, Greg Chimera, is going to join us tomorrow as well. And stuff and things, Indeed. as always. Stuff and things tomorrow on the program. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the U.S. Army, CCBC, MDOT, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the Baltimore Ravens, the BMW Championship, the Maryland Five Star, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer, Sad Lonely Man. Follow him on Twitter, at Ottenheimer. Follow us, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.